Hello, and welcome to the Grand Cinema Hotel, a podcast hosted by two friends who love cinema. Tonight, you'll be staying in Room 185, Killers of the Flower Moon, the epic historical crime drama by Martin Scorsese. So go ahead, get comfortable, and throw on that Do Not Disturb sign as we discuss a truly massive film with Killers of the Flower Moon. Well, 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 our war hero has arrived. You made a good choice coming back here. Those days are the finest, wealthiest, and most beautiful people on God's earth. They outsmarted everybody. They have the say. Who gets the oil? Son, I got a question. You like women? <laughs> That's my weakness. <laughs> well, we mix these families together, and that estate money flows the right direction. It'll come to us. on all my cinema lovers and thank you for checking back in i'm your host gus and as always with me is my co-host alvaro what's up guys uh before we get started make sure you subscribe if you're listening on youtube and follow us on whatever podcast platform you prefer uh we're here to talk about a film that we were very very excited about uh along with many others you know when a master like scorsese returns to drop drop a heater you gotta go it's just it's part of it right um now that we've seen this, I can say that uh, at least I really liked it a lot. I, I know you did too. Um, but what were your levels of excitement for this movie leading up to it? Like, what what, what were you expecting, really? I guess it's pretty. The preface is pretty good. Um, you understand what Scorsese means to you know the art form. Um, we always talk about kind of even um, in, in prior episodes what he's done for the art form and also like um just how much he means it's because he's still alive um it's kind of similar to sports where a lot of the heavy hitters that mean a lot to how especially post 70s you know when everything started getting more quote-unquote creative um how much these certain directors especially the brats mean but him he's done a lot to actively always be involved and he has no problem shouting out new directors so the level of excitement for this movie i think was uh pretty similar to i would say oppenheimer where it was we were disappointed last year that it didn't come out i remember we kept we didn't have a date for a long time on this oh movie. yeah huh it was pushed right yeah um, i think that was when we f we first started and we did our 2022 anticipated episodes like when the new year had started the movies that we were looking forward to this i'm pretty sure this was there dune 2 dune 2 uh uh bo is afraid at the time right yeah we disappointment boulevard yeah right it was still disappointment boulevard so it was that episode like i remember because those would be two of the ones that like those movies were supposed to come out around the same time and they they got pushed and obviously bo is afraid came out like in march and then this one got pushed almost the whole year so i did think it was similar to, to the green knight that aspect but you know um scorsese working with you know his favorite favorite collaborator robert de niro and then it seems to be his latest um, which has happened since Wolf of Wall Street, right? Or no, three times. No, right? no, no. The Aviator. Yeah, is the, the Aviator. Very first. This is the sixth time. Where he's Howard Hughes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously it it's just like, was this, yeah, this is a Netflix movie. I was going to say. It's, no, no, no. This is an Apple TV movie. Oh, it's an Apple TV. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, when for the Irishman, he got Joe Pesci. So it's just one of those things that you're like, if he's 
bringing and when you hear him talk you're like if he's bringing out the heavy hitters for a movie now it just feels like he's setting it up to be gold so just to obviously answer the question uh, it was palpable the excitement to this movie um not to get too far into it but how much of the hype lived up for you um i mean so i it's feel a weird like we to talk about his movies but you know it's a podcast it's the 21st century this is how we talk about things right yeah um i think Maybe it worked in his, against in this case, specifically for me because I'm like I'm expecting I'm expecting my favorite movie of the year possibly, or I'm expecting certain performances to be the reason why I'm looking forward to this. And while they still obviously nothing here is bad at all, I did end up feeling disappointed, which I ended up thinking was weird to walk out feeling that way. Which is like where I sit with the movie. Is like the is that the last feeling you expected to feel? Yeah, like I I just couldn't really shake that. I was like, huh. Like I walked out and be like, there's nothing. Obviously, this is done to a master, like by a master, crafted. You know, like very few movies ever, honestly. But it, uh, like there was like just certain points in this movie, where I just did feel disappointed, or I ended up feeling like. I knew by the trailer what this was about and this didn't like I, I I knew where this was going 20 minutes in and I kept expecting that it would change or so, or something and I didn't feel like that ever came and then obviously we'll get down to other reasons why but that was one of the main things for me was I did feel like based off the trailer I knew exactly what this was and I walked away knowing like oh so it was exactly what I thought it was which I for any other movie I would not be happy with like usually i would not give them any leeway to be like oh this is like if i know where this is going be like i i feel like this is a dud for me just because i'm like i guess i don't see my like you know the um being able to see stuff like that that i don't i don't feel like i'm on top of that very much so then when something is not predictable what i was gonna say but it's i feel like safe i'm like oh well it's that's good i you know but i end up Feeling like that's not my favorite type of movies. I, I will say to your point because I don't want to get into it too much because this is a conversation for later on. Uh, once we're actually talking about the movie and the plot and all of that, but um, I really find it interesting that you feel this way about the movie because I feel like um, some of the reasons why you may be disappointed in it are why I like it, and I do think I agree with you totally about twenty minutes in or even just from the trailer. Um, and also because this is, a, you know, a piece of history that actually happened. You do know where this is going. Um, and I like it for that reason because you're grasping for air this whole three hours and 26 minutes, hoping that you're going to just get some kind of relief from what you just saw. And then you're not rewarded that at all. There is no reward for watching the movie. You know what I mean? Like, um, which I I'll, I'll get I want to get into that more later, but that is one of the reasons I liked I think the same thing you disliked about the movie, and I also think it's interesting that a filmmaker like Martin Scorsese is able to um, like fire up this kind of discourse. You know what I mean? Like this is actually a movie. Like the fact that you feel disappointed about a movie that you still really liked is not something that happens very often with a movie that's like your average. Uh, I, 
content that you just throw away. You know what I mean? Like, oh, whatever. It's three stars, you know, but the fact that you actually have this feeling about it, like, I think that's actually really powerful because I think that that speaks to what Martin Scorsese always says is like, this is art that can change your life. And, you know, and like the fact that you felt that way is more compelling than just like some other movie that is about something that is not very serious. You know what I mean? Cause like, this is a very serious subject. So I feel like almost like the first time when we were talking about this post seeing the movie, we were, you know, sitting together for lunch and we were talking about it. And I almost felt like a sense of like anger from you from like what, like that this movie like angered you because of like all of the things that are happening in it. Right. And I do think that the, that's like the correct reaction to have. Right. And it's like, that is not a common occurrence in most movies that you go to it's like i don't want to say it's like the point of the movie was to piss you off but it's like but god damn if you have a soul how can this not piss you off that this happened you know what i mean so it's like well it might not be like it's like i don't want to put words in your mouth but it almost sounds like with a lot of people it's like this is one of the best movies i've ever seen but i'm still disappointed in what i saw and i kind of think it's it isn't like so much on scorsese as it is like the actual subject matter of the of the movie i guess you, he gets the benefit of the doubt obviously because of like the years of filmmaking and you know that his intention if you hear him talk is always to be respectful and you hear some of the people talk about who worked in the movie and it's always about being respectful so i think he gets that benefit of the doubt i don't think he did anything to try to like undermine a lot of the you know pain that obviously the osage felt um and if it came from another director that someone knew i think you would invalidate that you would you would be like oh it's because he's not very sensitive to the subject or whatever but it's because we know we know him we know how he's evolved with the storytelling so i think he gets that benefit of the doubt there's a level of maturity with certain directors, and I do think it's not just because he's Martin Scorsese, he's one of the great directors of all time. I just think it's a level of maturity of that everything feels intentional past a certain point. When you know, when Quentin Tarantino or Paul Thomas Anderson, Wes Anderson, whoever, make their latest film, it all feels intentional. None of it feels like an accident, like, I don't know. Reservoir Dogs or Mean Streets, you know, and it's like, uh, there's that Orson Welles clip from a long time ago. Like, how did you do that in Citizen Kane? And it's like, because I was ignorant and I didn't know what you could do. So then anything is possible when you don't know what you're doing. But when a director is like in their 60s or 80s, there is no room for an accident, you know, and like the whether the intention works for you or doesn't work for you, there's no way that it is an accident, you know, like that's at least how I feel about a certain age of director upwards. Especially yeah. when they're, like, well-regarded, you know? Exactly. That makes... Yeah, especially him, you know what I mean? It's If there's anybody who understands the language of cinema, he's one of the, you know, not top five, who knows, obviously up there. But it's... I, I guess in, in that same sentiment, I feel like I, what I was going to get at, though, too, is that this is um, also a book which again lends a material to some another interpretation yes and you know we we kind of talked about we'll get into it more but like the direction that you chose to go with this is not the direction of the book and so then it kind of opens a discussion be like so you were able to change the point of view or where you wanted to start this story from and there's obviously like you said this has opened a lot of discussion with people and obviously it's in, again it's intentional for him to want to do it from this point of view and i and i think that's like where 
it's just it's almost disappointing because it's not that um the movie is bad in its technicalities because it's not in any way but it's the way that this story to me ends up feeling very counterproductive to like for example we'll get there to like the ending of this movie like trying to cement that point doesn't make any sense to me when the whole movie and like that's the disappointing aspects to me um but the actual movie looks like you know our movie theater experience imax um in prime seats no complaints with that you know yeah like the actual look and technicality all the craftsmanship involved in the movie yeah i mean i yeah i mean we'll get we'll get into it later about specific scenes and stuff like that but yeah just just overall i guess um about disappointment that's more where it comes from and you know we'll dig in deeper as to specifics as we go along the story i think yeah and then like another interesting thing about this movie we'll get off this soon and start discussing just other aspects but i do think that i've seen rare instances of this movie where people are criticizing it and also not being like oh but it's also very good to be like but i just have problems with it you know so it's like it's one of those movies where it's like almost everybody agrees that it's good but it's its discussion really comes from the point of views and the handling of the subject matter and whether it was done correctly or even if it was done correctly, was it done correctly enough to a certain extent, you know? Um, and who is who is to make movies like this and who should make movies like this? And I even think that that's another thing. It's like this movie is a catalyst for what comes after it, you know? Like I was trying to think when I was watching this movie, like what is another movie I could watch like this in preparation for this episode where um, I could even like feel some kind of like uh, lifeline to like, okay, look like I've seen another movie similar to this. I haven't seen another movie like this from this point of view. So I do hope that this movie uh, sparks that. And in the future we do get more movies like this, you know, uh, and about this exact same subject. I mean, even Martin Scorsese said itself, it's like, I might not be the perfect person to tell this story, but I hope I'm not the only person to tell this story that this, and or the many, many stories, you know, because this isn't the only one. It's like, this is a whole world that's unexplored and hopefully he just popped the top off and then here we go. Like, let's get more movies about these kinds of things or just in general, these types of movies, like these long historical epics. Like I, for one, between Oppenheimer and this, I'm like, these are like my two favorite movies. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And they're both extremely American, extremely long historical movies about the place we are. You know what I mean? Like those both felt like extremely important movies because of the fact that like they're historical, you know? No. Yeah. I get you. Um, that is what we had a discussion, I guess, prior to don't really know. I wouldn't know who really to ask, but in terms of the the scope that a movie like this hits for an international audience, which obviously Martin Scorsese attracts. Mm. It's a very curious point. I yeah, think that I've like been sitting for on. Oppenheimer, obviously, the nuclear bomb is a worldwide catastrophe that everyone who's alive at any given moment has to worry about the fact that that bomb exists right the ge the genocide of the native americans is one of the most tragic things that's ever happened in human history but how much do people care on the other side of the planet right 
And it's like that is where it becomes more interesting. It's because it's like if it's not taught in American schools, how often is it really taught in other places, right? And maybe I'm just ignorant. And it is taught truthfully in other places where they don't have a vested interest in saying the United States is the good guy. And uh, these were just bad people that they had to take care of. You know, it's like, I don't know, maybe in other parts of the world they do tell the truth because there's nothing there's no one holding them to lie. You know what I mean? Of like, you have to uphold this great lie that the country was built on. So I don't, I don't know, but that is something if, you know, if anyone here who's listening is from anywhere else in the world, I would like to know what the level of interest is for a Martin Scorsese movie. I would imagine pretty high wherever they're cinephiles, but in terms of uh, mainstream, is this a movie that would hit over there? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's similar to someone like me, you know, you watch certain documentaries when you're in class and like, you know, archaeology classes um, where you kind of study culture and stuff like that and you see how differently some cultures see the world. I find interest in that because, you know, it's as being an American, it's a very commercialized or a very unique aspect at least. So, you know, even when you dive back a little bit into like movies, like movies like uh, Come and See, which it's like, you know, World War Two or Belarus, Belarusian territory stuff that I would never know about. You're like, that's where the human element is still exactly the same. We're all humans, but they're pushed to different extremes where I don't know. Luckily, I'm, I don't think I'll ever be experiencing. And so then every movie kind of has that, I think, that connection or why the reason I like them so much. And um, I can see why... You know, for example, like a Japanese audience would be interested in watching how Native Americans got also screwed over by the same people they did, you know, in terms of I think there is that connection. But it is also one of those things where we brought it up and I I have no way of knowing or checking that, you know, like or being able to obviously you could look at ticket sales and stuff like that. But I, I don't really think. This. We need sources. That's what I'm getting from this. We need we need cub reporters all over the world, right? Checking in with the Grand Cinema Hotel, be like my man in Tokyo, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what is the what is the? Can you give us the pulse on on Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer, right? Yeah, yeah. It will be, I mean, I will say to your question about the international audience and stuff. Um, I know that it is made. I will say this is an interesting thing about Martin Scorsese is that how the goalpost can be moved for somebody like him and Leonardo DiCaprio versus like this is just the most polar opposite I could think of is something like Morbius, right? And it's like when Morbius makes $20 million, it's the greatest failure and it could kill the studio. But when a $200 million Martin Scorsese makes $44 million around the entire world, what a massive success, right? Like that a move. But not not that I'm going to ever actually compare these two movies. I just think it's funny how, like, it can be changed, right? Because, like, narratives can be spun mm -hmm. any way you want them to. And it's like, I obviously agree with this narrative that, like, yeah, it is impressive that a movie that was three and a half hours long about one of the worst things that's ever <laughs> happened in the world. Uh, and, you know, like, I obviously understand that's not everybody's that's not going to be everybody's go-to on a Friday night. Right. So it's, it's, it's a lot different than when a, any other movie 
of that stature would fail because most likely that's going to be a movie that's about spectacle, you know, and it's like you're expecting butts and seats because people like, ooh, explosion, you know. But a movie like this, I don't know how many people you do expect. Like, if they're not teaching this in history class, how many people do you think willingly want to go see this thing that they keep hearing is like awful? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hey, you're going to feel like shit for three and a half hours while you watch this. Like, do you want to do that? I think the audience of this is the person who read the book, which is someone of his age, you know what I mean? Or it's someone of an older age. And, you know, I did, I did find interesting though. That's an anecdote that they said that about 35%, I think of the sales here in the U S were people who were 35 and younger. And so was Oppenheimer. So, you know, that's not half <laughs> that'd be like, but that is a good majority. I think the other, but I, but I would say the majority of the people this attest to is the people when we were sitting in um, our IMAX screaming watching this, which was, you know, in, in Orange County, um, older, wider crowd. There was a couple people. I mean, there was a group next to us of three young people who were probably similar or younger than us. Yeah. So there was a group of people behind us who was uh, about the same age range. So, I mean, movies are meant to be seen by four quadrants of people. So it's like, you know, young people, adults, old people, and kids is the fourth quadrant usually. But obviously that's a whole other ball game. So there's really only three, right? So it's like the people our age and younger, teenagers to like 30, 30 to 45, and then Basically, after 45, they view you as old, <laughs> which is kind of fucked, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, you might as well be a senior citizen in our eyes now. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I mean, Sean Fennessy put it best. He's like, the children, they yearn for good cinema <laughs> because Oppenheimer, Barbie, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, you know, these are movies that are being seen by a lot of young people. So it does put a spin on the narrative that, oh, young people don't like movies. Young people don't care about, quote, unquote, boring movies. Uh Hey, they're out there, you know, if you build it, they will come. I think it says more about the the overall product, right? It's like it takes a Christopher Nolan, a Martin Scorsese, a Greta Gerwig to get these people out of their seats and come see these movies. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, right? That's another huge box office name that like that's a walking hundred million dollars right there. You know what I mean? Like people are going to go see that movie. And it's like we just don't have as many of those as maybe we did before. Which is kind of the sad thing. And it's like, it's not the talent level, right? It's got to be because some of our favorite directors, right? It's like they cook, but they're not mainstream successes yet, right? And it's like, you got to put that on the studio somewhat. And it's like, I don't know why isn't, I'll say Robert Eggers, right? Because it's a little easier to digest than Ari Aster is, right? Yeah. It's like, but Robert Eggers' next movie, I would expect it to take a, it should take a massive leap after something like The Northman. You know, you're like, okay, this seems like a movie that I think people would think is pretty rad, right? Um, yeah, it's like pretty artsy, but it's still something like Gladiator. You know what I mean? But I don't, I don't know what the next step is for the future of filmmaking to like event cinema that's like a, from a director that you know is going to give you a quality product. Like, I don't know. Denis Villeneuve is even there, too, where you're like, really? Not Denis Villeneuve either? Like, you would think that he would be the guy. It's like, oh, he makes as much money as Christopher Nolan. But it's like, damn, really? Blade Runner and Dune? Like, we're, we're, we're talking like these things are barely breaking even, you know? It's like, ah, those are the dark times. You know what I mean? It's not so much the actual movies. It's just like the the overall glumness that comes from like, fuck, if Dune can't make any money, how are the movies I actually want to see going to make any money, right? Yeah, I think it's similar. This is a broader conversation, but it's similar to how we end up feeling about music. 
that there is no real superstars left. Obviously, there's people that are, have a heavy, heavy following, but it doesn't ever feel like they have a presence that can draw everybody in. Same way, I think, watching movies now, uh, Steven Spielberg being considered artsy does make it seem like movies now are more of like what we're doing, which is a cliche, not a cliche, no, a niche um, audience. Um International film festivals and all of those type of film festivals always draw in a certain amount of crowds. Or if they're general public, you know, anybody can walk in. But I, I do think even in that aspect that the culture on its own has always kind of been a very select few. So I think in a world uh, where attention span has kind of gone down, and that's not, you know, a debate. It's just truth. Um, <laughs> Real. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just kind of think that kind of put itself in the same way that theater did a long time ago um where yes there's a crowd for all of these things you know all the movies you know go to la watch any of the movies that came out the directors they're all of the people there are my age and they care about that stuff but that is the heaviest showing that showing is going to have in the whole two weeks three weeks that it's there um is the people that showed up for the preview day or the people that showed up opening weekend the next two weeks of this three weeks of this it just bleeds and it that's it you know and it almost does feel even um people who really want to see it are going to see it and you know this movie's obviously going to be on apple to, like uh, later on that's where i think movies like that end up having a very interesting story with me because you never know who watched the irish man it's like you, Not you end really, up right? like you end up somebody who told you they watch it. Like you, you watched it because it, it got broken up into a series. So you know, it's like you never know who Wait, watched did they it. Actually, yeah, it was a four. I know that was the meme, like how to watch the Irishman as a mini series, but I didn't know if they actually did it. I I recall that they actually ended up breaking it up in that way. There was a way to watch it in that way. Well, they did it with the Hateful Eight, so yeah, I not, believe they did it's that. It's not unforeseen territory. I They've done this before. I believe they did that with it as well, and. You never know who'll watch it, you know, and the same thing is what I'm getting at Colors of the Flower Moon. You'll never know who'll just pop it on, not knowing what this is about, and then you find out they, you know, people get hit with the based on the true story, their attention turns on. Um, Hold up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but kind of going back to you're getting it. Who are these people? <laughs> I do think that no director obviously has the, they're dying, and I think... Wait, who's like, dying? Like the name the directors, brand director? Yeah, the, the, yeah, not a specific person, but that type of director. Because even like you said, um, Denis Villeneuve, I guess, is one of the ones that seems like the youngest that has that feeling. Nothing comes from there. And, and the then, youngest we have is Jordan Peele, honestly. Of like, he has broken through of like... He's a popular guy yeah. because of you know Jordan Peele made that movie. Oh, okay, okay. That's oh, true. The guy who made Get Out. He is the right? he so is the like youngest him, one. And we'll see if Greta Gerwig. Because like I have to ask like my uh, I don't know I gotta ask the the ladies in my life who saw Barbie. Like, do you know who directed that movie? Yeah. And it's like you would think anyone who has half an interest in that, like movies besides just watching them would probably know, but then like most likely not, right? Like the average person. But everybody knows Christopher Nolan did Oppenheimer. Everybody knows that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, it's uh, yeah. So it, it does seem now that because those directors are very just like at the time they're going, there is nothing that really draws in just hype out of nowhere. It is always does seem like you know it, mm, there there's this. 
this weird split sometimes I feel like uh, where people do watch movies almost um, I don't even know how to get to the topic but I guess it would be like uh, to fit a certain type of persona so I think like watching this type of movie almost doesn't fit that persona and kind of what I'm getting at is because it like the Marvel versus Martin Scorsese thing, right? That exists. Mm, okay, yeah. <laughs> and it does seem like any of the negative this movie could get is because now they're seen as polar opposites, as before when we were talking about movies were made because they were just movies. So like a Martin Scorsese spectacle and Apple treats it as such is like, no, this movie is already, this, you know it's going to get nominated. It, it's, it doesn't matter what it is. It's going to get nominated because it's Martin Scorsese. That's where they're putting all this money down. They don't care how much they lose for it. He is maybe the last artist who is able to get that kind of money and, like, I don't want to say blow it as in a bad way, but, like, he could burn $200 million of Apple's money and they could make $44 million only. And tomorrow they will be giving him $200 million more to make that because they believe – and not to like <laughs> meet ride apple or whatever but it's like the people who are willing to pay this money it's like they believe in what he's doing is of significant cultural value to art not just movies you know like they can even see past the idea of just profit no 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 that this is one of our last great american artists who we can actually fund and support while they're still alive. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, Quentin Tarantino was one of the other guys. Sony's like, yeah, $100 million, here you go. You know what I mean? I think it does come... See, like, I see it as, like, Apple has... They're evil. Like, I do see it as an evil entity thing, though, because I'm like, I... It's they want to check the box. Like, well, he made a movie with us. Yeah. Like, he made a movie with... We can't be the evil corporation. Martin Scorsese made a movie with us. So it doesn't matter what he makes. It doesn't matter what David Fincher makes. It doesn't matter what you know the director like roma it doesn't matter what they make it's netflix wants to be able to tell you we know when they're not a fucking company anymore years down the line that well we made this so that it's always like this branding is going to stay on to you know quote unquote the elitist or whatever oh yeah well we we let noah bombach make white noise you know why because we we waste money on other shit and i don't necessarily think that it's it, it, it works for both ways. Like, you know, this this film is able to be made exactly how Martin Scorsese wants it because it also fits Apple's intentions to be like, look, we make real movies. We make, uh, you know, Oscar-nominated movies. Winners, actually, right, with last year's... Yeah, Coda, right? So I just think it's like... It is ben- beneficial to them to just kind of like... It is like, because they're stepping in and embarrassing an industry that is full of other studios that supposedly respect the art form, Right. So it's like he left Warner Brothers after The Departed because they wanted him to keep Leonardo DiCaprio, or well, I guess spoilers, whatever. So <laughs> go watch The Departed right here if you don't want to hear the ending of this. But they wanted to find a way to keep Leonardo DiCaprio's character alive so that they could have a spinoff series, and that was the last time he ever worked with Warner Brothers. You know, and it's like even them, the house that Stanley Kubrick, <laughs> Christopher Nolan, right, in their uh, Denis Villeneuve now is like, uh, hey, I know you're making this gritty crime drama, but do you think we could maybe get like a couple sequels out of this or some spinoffs? And you have a telecommunications technology company like Apple, and they're like, you know, remember when you guys used to actually like go in on movies and do big spectacle events? And like, look, we're going to show you how it's done, right? And it's like, that's what Prime thinks they're doing when they greenlight a billion dollar Lord of the Rings series, right? And it's like, their intentions 
the intentions are obviously not as pure as you would like them to be, but it's like there's no ethical capitalism, right? So what are you going to do, right? It is, I would say it does lean more on the good that they would give Martin Scorsese $200 million to make the movie that he wants because no one else is going to do that. So that's better than it not happening. But yeah, the ethical ramifications of the whole thing are like pretty scummy, like you, you're two sides to a coin, right? Be like, what are you gonna do, right? Yeah, I mean, I do, um, and I and I just say that for example, for the same reason that um, anybody who does fit the demographic that watches movies knows that Martin Scorsese is a you know disciple. Um, the same way you you watch the commercial between him and Timothy Chalamet. Obviously, anybody in their position has immense respect for him, but it's the same way that people are hesitant to criticize the movie because of that same thing. And I just think in specifically how he talks about movies there, you shouldn't be having that bias towards him. And I think when I, you try to take those lenses off, that's something like, no, I, I am disappointed in this movie, you know, but I do even think about even in that discourse that it ends up becoming like, no, well you didn't get it. And it's kind of like, well, I don't think this man made a 200, Thirty-two million dollar movie that's inaccessible. I don't. I don't. I don't see that, especially from him. You know, I don't. I don't think the story is inaccessible in any way. So, it is kind of like a, like you said, an interesting um, situation with the movie that I don't know most character, most directors would be able to stir now. Yeah, I mean, how many people are making the main characters of their movie evil antagonists? Right, that alone. And not evil antagonists with any redeeming qualities either, right? It's like he might flirt with one or two moments in the movie where you're like, oh, look, there's some of that Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro charm that I love from, you know, the slimy guys they play in his other movies and then pull that rug from you. And it's like, no, like that's that's not what we're doing in this one, right? Um, and then as to the idea of like, no, you don't get it, uh, I would say I don't agree with like that for this movie. I don't think it's like a, I don't think that it is one of those movies where it's like, no, you don't get it. I do think that there is a uh, vital discourse that's taking place on the, the aspect of like, no, I get it. And I don't like this answer. You know what I mean? And it's like, and that is okay. I would never tell you or anybody that, no, no, you don't understand the ending. It's that, I mean, obviously I have a different interpretation of it than you do, but I don't think that like mine is right and yours is wrong. You know, it's like, you can still not, <laughs> you can get something and not like it. Like, I think a lot of people don't use that frame of reference when they judge things, you know? And it's like, how could you, if you're disappointed, then why did you rate it four stars? It's like, because it's really fucking good, right? And it's yeah. like, but it, it disappoints me. You know what I mean? And it's, it's like you said, it's not. And for Martin Scorsese from that aspect, I don't think it's like a, you have to take your lenses off and you judge him differently. It's just that he's of a certain level of filmmaking where you said it's like, it. you could say that you're disappointed in this movie, but still has some of the favorite like images that you've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like there's movies like that for me where it's like, that's one of the best looking things I've ever seen, but it's not my favorite movie. You know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like the joke that always goes around. It's like, I'm disappointed in this Martin Scorsese movie. It's still the 10th best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Or it's like when you're ranking his movies, you're like, eh, 12th place. One of the best movies I've ever seen. <laughs> It's and yeah, I mean that is like one of the, the, you know we've had discussion before with the rating system. It's like I think that's when I enjoy the rating system so more because like those, 
there's an established thing of what they mean to me, right? For example, like, yeah, I could really like something. There's things wrong with it. Or I could see why people wouldn't like this. Or this had its negative aspects for me. That's Then it's not a perfect movie. Or it's not, you know, it's whatever. The amount of, like, that, that ends up being, like, for me, being a way to later understand movies that I watch and how I feel about them based on how I feel about other movies. Um, those are the positive, just like, that's a side conversation, obviously, but there's like positives that I see in terms of even like discussion on something like Letterboxd, for example, or IMDb, where you can rank stuff. People who have a similar feeling about you, you try to find out, is it for the same reasonings? Is it for completely different reasons? Is it very fucking like just hater? Like this is a Marvel, be like, this movie was so fucking boring. So then you're kind of like, I think it ends up, lending itself to a whole other discussion where you're like oh see i'm not the only one that felt this way or actually i didn't even think about that or stuff like that and i think um that's just side tangent in terms of because we brought up ratings and like for this movie where i felt like all of the discussions of people that i ended up feeling like rated it the same as me were the same complaint i was like oh well i don't know exactly where else i would really find that mm-hmm. you know <laughs> Found it Are we the meme of uh, four star flawed masterpiece, and it's the guy on the dark side of the bus, and then it's the guy on the happy side of the bus, and it's like five star flawed masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Okay, so to get into the movie a little more, so obviously directed by Martin Scorsese, uh, eighty years old, twenty sixth feature film, sixteen documentaries. TV episodes, uh, commercials, you know, short films, you name it. The man has done it all. I sit, uh, my favorite commercial is the Kodak one where he's wants to reshoot his nephew's birthday party because he didn't capture it correctly. So he's like, it's your Uncle Marty. Do you want to? <laughs> oh, he's a little pictures. kid. Yeah, he's yeah. like, oh, how could I have done this? Look at that. Angle's all wrong. Lighting's off, right? He's like, Timmy, it's your Uncle Marty. Do you want to have your sixth birthday party again? again? Yeah. <laughs> Blue de Chanel to hell with you. I'll take the Martin Scorsese uh, Kodak commercial. My favorite is still just him being in Shark Tales. Oh, that's your favorite non-director. <laughs> yeah, content. exactly. Yeah. Ah, I'll give the TikToks, the TikToks a run for the money. Yeah, they're pretty dude. good. They're pretty good. Ick, Slay, huh? Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty good stuff. Um, Any 80-year-old, right, being taught terms that an 11-year-old? Dude, talk- the, the TikTok of him uh, talking to the dog, right? thrilling stuff i kind of wish he acted more in movies like and uh you know that's funny that we're talking about that with this movie but i do wish he was maybe in more movies because he is a hell of a screen presence himself you know it's like he's got that distinct look with the eyebrows it's got that voice he's got that one-of-a-kind laugh that when you hear it doesn't sound like anybody else right it's the guy yeah he's just like uh almost like his parents when he put them in his movies, like I would like to see him as like a background character where you're like maybe you're not even supposed to know it's him. Kind of like Larry David in Seinfeld, you know, <laughs> where you're like he's in it a bunch, but you don't actually know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so great stuff all around. No complaints about Martin Scorsese, the man, or any of his forms of art <laughs> that he's given us. <laughs> exactly. Um, may he live to be a thousand years old, you know. Uh, written by Martin Scorsese and Eric Roth, based on the book of the same name by David Gran. Uh, the main difference is that this is more of a FBI novel. It's told through the perspective of Jesse Plemons' character, who at one point was going to be the main character of this movie. Uh, 
Well, not Jesse Plemons himself, but the, the character, character he plays. Yeah. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was going to be that character. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Lily Gladstone, Martin Scorsese, they all agreed that it would be more interesting if the film was centered on Ernest because of this complicated call it love call don't call it love love story that takes place uh throughout the film and is really at the heart of the whole thing um that was not his first intention his first the you know originally he did want to make the uh the the david grand book almost close to the book yeah, yeah close to the book but then he realized that this would be maybe too similar to something he would do 25 years ago it could maybe be misconstrued and not handled the right way to treat the osage as a back like way more of a backdrop than even they are in this version of the movie that we have which is one of the complaints and i will say even though i think this is a five-star flawed masterpiece i will that is a uh a tried and true complaint about this movie. I do not think that there is even enough Osage in this movie that is about them. It could be more. Um, I, I'll i save this for later. But I yes, there could be more. There could be more Lily Gladstone. There could be more um, Osage. And why why not, right? If you're going to make a movie three and a half hours, why not? <laughs> why not? But at the same time, we did talk about intention. And I do think that there is a different intention here um almost uh, almost religious and i do think it has a lot to do with scorsese's catholic upbringing of like the the guilt that you're supposed to feel in watching this movie i do think that that is one of the main intentions more than like let me shine a light on a beautiful cultural culture and people and how they were robbed and whatever and i don't want to say whatever because i don't want that that sounds bad uh, talking about something so serious but um I do think there's more of this intention of like sitting with this evil and having to actually acknowledge it than there is of uplifting a culture. And I do think that that is a, is a valid complaint. Not that you need my validity, but I'm just saying as, as someone in the five star camp, I do agree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think based off just doing more research since we had that discussion, um, like what the book invokes and what the book does and we you know why the book is obviously even worth Martin Scorsese picking up and thinking I should make a 200 million dollar movie about this but it's um just kind of looked into it a little more and just kind of found out that, that the, the book is obviously written to the point of view of the fbi agent but i think that the most important thing that the book gets that i ended up being like you know because i do want to read this book now i will say that that's always a really great thing same thing there will be blood i'm like i really want to read this book now but um is that you know, uh, what's the, uh, Molly, right? Like, um, Molly is kind of surprised at the end of the book or, you know, in her real life was surprised to find out that Ernest was the one behind all of this and really did love him. And so then that's why it kind of became very, like, it is very integral to know that somebody who had so many losses also was getting betrayed the whole time. And I did end up feeling like that was driven in this movie, but because it was taking in a different route, it's not like I ever felt like that betrayal was there for her character because she identifies from the get-go that she knows that he's a coyote. Um, and I'm sure she mentions that in the book. I don't think that's something Martin Scorsese just made up, you know, but I do think that it ends up kind of being like, I don't think she's, it's like in the movie, I don't feel like she's duped or tricked i almost feel like oh or, or she's not duped because of love i do end up feeling like she's duped based off of um 
being like gaslit honestly uh that's that yeah that's one of the things that was happening to her for sure there's many awful <laughs> awful things uh how do you feel about spoilers on this i know we're this is still very early uh and this to me is a this isn't the that's you know not to not to disparage some of the other movies we've covered on here but this isn't like a throwaway movie like i feel like there is a lot of time for this movie like where it will go on for a long time, the discussion. So do you want to spoil it? Do you not want to spoil it? Like how far should we go into things? I think obviously we probably could wait a little towards the end to try to, if there's anything, but I, if we could try to stay away, I think from spoilers, cause you have to just experience this, right? This, I don't yeah, like I have if, to sell you on this movie, if you're right? in, yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're interested in it and I think we could still get across what our issues were, what our favorite scenes are. Without specifically the, spoiling the, the stuff, reason I know? wanted to bring that up though is because it's like you you are right in the fact that like I don't think she was duped by love and like oh wow like I actually thought he did love me it's like she is she was smart enough to know that like yeah he obviously wants my money but that uh, that little like caveat is kind of like a <laughs> a more of a marriage how marriage used to be type of thing you know when marriage was more of like a an exchange of like what can you do for me versus just like oh my god i actually love this person i can't live without them right like that didn't exist until what like maybe even now <laughs> realistically like maybe even now uh, after all the bad things people know about marriage like they would still choose to do it is because they just really love that person that much but like even back then marriage was very different to what it was to what it is now so that like you know as much as that could be a sign it's like oh look he just wants you for your money i think back then it was more of something to kind of like you overlooked it like it was kind of obvious you know and it was like duh you want to marry me like i'm rich um but what i do think is that she was duped by the evil where it's like wow like i knew he was a coyote but like i didn't know he was a devil <laughs> you know what i mean like and i don't mean to laugh when i say that but it's just like it makes me uncomfortable to think about like wow you really do think that you know someone like even she even thought she knew the ugly side of him but it's like there's no depths to the evil that this person was capable of you know what i mean and like there's many moments in the movie where he he wants to like reassure you that like oh maybe he actually does and it's like this is what makes it so compelling to me that he uses leonardo dicaprio as the main character here it's like there's these moments of silence and quiet where he has the chance to like turn to like like it, it, he's sitting there with like fuck like i just hearing this i know how wrong it is but then when that decision is in front of him the the evil sets in the devil on his shoulder you know and it's like he goes into the temptation like he cannot be saved from himself and like the the depths of his own like like bastardness you know what i mean i do it's love like, that money it, yeah like like that like I, I do love that money you know and it's like there's just no level to to the greed and the like the evil there and it's like this is a man who's made many movies about th this type of people but i do honestly think that leonardo dicaprio and robert de niro is probably the most evil people they've ever played in movies you know like i got uh, i would say right up there with like calvin candy and django unchained but it's like even him he's meant to be played up in like an exploitative way where it's like this charming devilish slave owner you know and it's like there's none of that here it's like he looks like fucking shit he's an idiot you know what i mean like he can be persuaded by anybody half the time he doesn't even understand what he's really doing and it's like not in a way of like to to discredit his choices but like in a way where it's like 
he can't even think far enough ahead of what the thing he's doing, like how bad it really is, you know? And it's like Robert De Niro knows it, and that's what makes him so fucking evil, <laughs> you know what I mean? But Leonardo DiCaprio gives off this like, oh, I'm just a dummy, you know what I mean? Like I can be told... I'll tell you whatever the truth is that they tell me to tell. I listen to my uncle. <laughs> yeah. It is funny that he could be the worst, like they could be the worst characters in Scorsese movie when there's the people who persecuted Jesus, right? Like, oh, man. He's just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> and they have the Romans. Oh, yeah, exactly, right? I mean, like, hey, like we said, though, he's covered many of these like travesties you know what i mean from yeah. many points of view and it's like i do think for some people that they're never going to get past the fact that martin square says he makes movies about bad people like that just feels like to, I, I feel like to some people that just feels like antithetical of like why would you do that you know it's almost like I, i'll even give them a little more credit than the fact that it's like just because he makes a movie about them doesn't mean he likes them but it's like i don't know there is like you have to it, kind of explore the evil the same way you explore the good you know because i think a lot of what martin scorsese does and not in this movie but in his other works where he's shown you know specifically like american greed <laughs> and american evil and crime and stuff like that is like how close that you are to like how close any person is to becoming like that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a, it's a beast within all of us that you have to like willingly choose to not give into every day. It's yeah. Because Jordan Belfort's life does look fun. You know what I mean? But it's like the part when he punched his wife in the gut and crashed his car high with his daughter is like, you need Martin Scorsese to tell you that that's not a good guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, brother, you have bigger problems if you don't know that, you know? It's like the movie shouldn't have to tell you that. And I don't know. Uh, they're not exactly movies that – they're not movies for <laughs> adolescent minds, I guess, right? <laughs> it's like they are a more mature movie, you know, where it's like – uh, I don't know. Does he have to tell you that Jordan Belfort's a bad guy? Like, disclaimer, I don't like this guy. Same way like Oppenheimer. It's like, does Christopher Nolan really have to say, like, yeah, that's a complicated individual right there? Yeah. It's... So it's like in this movie, to me, it's almost like he's, like, really cementing that home. Like, no, no, no. This is a <laughs> the the evil. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like I, I can think about a lot of movies I have seen where somebody's purely evil. And they are usually categorized right off the get-go as horror movies, right? Or they're that's dra true. dramas. Thrillers. Yeah, so uh, that's a, you know, the big exception here is I think a lot of people, I will say I wanted to preface this, I guess, like this is not a documentary. And a lot of, you know, the beef could be like, that's not how it happened, but it's not a documentary. Um, that's for sure. Um, so you can't really judge it based off of the, it didn't happen that way or whatever. Like every single thing, right? Yeah, because I think a lot of the, you know, people, the negatives, I don't think it went down that way. But it's like, well, no, it didn't. He's not stating in any way this is the way that it went down. It's an interpretation on a book that is also interpretation on stuff that happened that's probably not very well accounted for. Because guess what? Nobody cared. It's just like that is the driven driving point. <laughs> Obviously, I don't think there's any spoilers. I think that's the driving point Martin Scorsese is trying to overlay here more than anything is that that is true and that is one of the reasons it's like it hits so hard is because you're you know that no one cared 
Yeah. Like, um, like no one was there to, there is no white savior, which is like a dumb thing I've seen people say. There's no savior at all. There's no happy ending to this. There, it like, it's like almost like, even though you know it's history, you're like, there's got to be something in this that's going to redeem something at the end, right? Or like maybe some kind of like whatever. You're like, and no, there's not. And like, that is an interesting choice of like, it's almost like telling you to like, it's like, hey, grow up. Like, this is how the world really is. You know I think, what I mean? You know, it does come based off of like when directors make movies at a certain level. I think that their uh, personal opinions or ways of seeing life are bled through the movie. And I think that people kind of cling on to thinking that every movie does that. Um, and they do to a certain extent, though, to not like in, di- in different ways. Like, um, you know, like one movie that I was thinking about, you know, where someone's purely evil. Like when someone makes a movie like like Nitrum, for example, when it's about, you know, the mass killer in Australia. It's like you're watching this movie and you know this kid is evil. Like it's born evil. It's it's it almost his body doesn't even understand how else it would be to um react to these things but again movies like that are real because this person existed um the same way that people have affinity for you know murder cases it's not because it's like damn i i i wonder what that's like and and yes it is i wonder what's that like but in in terms of almost being like how do you get your mind there as somebody who I, i i seek that um i wouldn't call it pleasure but that curiosity is please through watching a movie but obviously their curiosity because and i do end up thinking it's because their brain is wired differently um comes through actually doing these acts of evil um this movie one of their main you know lines of can you spot the coyotes right in this picture you spot the wolves in this picture and like obviously it's saying that like the wolves are everywhere they're they're animals these are animals that we're looking at and maybe you know, they're not wired like us. So they don't think like us. They're not humans because, you know, you're sympathetic as a human and it doesn't seem like the race that's calling the other race very animalistic is animalistic in their own way. And I think that that's something that ends up bleeding through directors of this magnitude um, tie into that. The same way, you know, Blade Runner, my favorite movie, is that's what it's all about. These machines have this humanity. And I, I do end up thinking that... Um, while it's the dark side of stuff, it is part of these short lives that we as humans live. And there's just some people that are wired differently and there's intrigue in that. And um, I, I I think like based off of having movies that are based on characters that have non-redeemable qualities don't make me think the movie is automatically bad, you know? Um, yeah. And this movie, I don't, I'm not going to, that's not, it's not my com- like well i guess it'd be kind of my complaint because he chose to do this point of view but it's not like i'm like why did you write him that way because this person existed so it's not like he wrote him in any way these were these were the things that they did it's just that my point of view is why highlight them at all but i do think that that's some of the things that have been getting lost in discussion with martin scorsese in general like um why make taxi dr- why why make Travis Bickle, the same way that they're like, why do you make Patrick Bateman? But like, well, it's just an exploration of my what I think being tapped into that dark world would be. Yeah, and I, I think one of the important aspects of this movie and of all really good movies with really complicated characters is acknowledging the, that the characters are not one-sided. 
So it's like, yeah, you can be purely evil, right? And it's like, or maybe that's the wrong word to be using, right? It's like yeah. at your core, you're evil, right? But it's like, you can't tell me that Ernest doesn't love his uncle, that he doesn't love his children, that he doesn't love his brother. Yeah. Like, so that it isn't that he's incapable of love, but it's that at his core, he is not filled with love. He's not filled with good. He is evil where it matters the most. And you humans know? are this, and it's right? Like, and yeah, and like... This is an interesting thing, too, is that the Osage members that Martin Scorsese talked to told him, like, that needs to be addressed, that they did love each other. And, like, no, it doesn't make any sense because, like, why would any of these relationships have ever made sense, right? Like, in hindsight, you're like, why would a Native American marry a white man? Like, wouldn't didn't they know? You know what I mean? It's like, no. Like, it's and like this is what we talked about earlier, like with the character of Molly. It's like, no, I knew, but I didn't know to what extent. Like, it's a it's an extent that feels animalistic, like you said, or like inhuman, you know. And it's like, holy shit! Like, it made sense to me that they wanted the land. It made sense to me that they wanted the money. But the fact that they want us to not exist, like that, is a whole other level. That like, how could you even begin to start comprehending that? Right? It's like almost having a dignity for your for your the villains in your life right it's like wow i gave them more credit than they even deserved i think they're like this bleeds obviously again because this is why this is a good movie it's like martyr martyrisms of liberalism is what i would call it or martyrs of liberalism is that these little because it's a true story these moments of progress people of martyrs for progress like we have in the movie their mom just being like, you guys cursed us by marrying white men. Like yeah. she, she is so the same way that they're seeing them that even Molly understands there's no progress in thinking this way. And these martyrs of like you being, you know, open, a, a loving person, it is your consequence in some way, but she knows that it'll be her consequence. People who are like this exist in real life more the same way that people who will just you know, do evil things to animals. These polar opposites exist. Molly understands that she's surrounded by evilness. And at one point that they're all, you know, this, all the sisters do, they all understand that, but there is this whole, like, so my whole life, I'm supposed to be skeptical. This whole life, I'm supposed to be conservative. This whole life. That's no way to live a life. And they're willing to sacrifice that to even, I mean, even at that extent, I think like the Osage, in, in their head, you know, the same way that we are as, you know, newer generations. And they're like, but why can't we all be together thinking that it's possible to do it? Um, so I don't think that her, like her thinking that is a lot of people in history who have been, you know, all the people who after they're like, you know, you want slaves are wrong. Those, those, a lot of those people died because they like, you know, they, they, they didn't agree with their opinion. As awful as the world can be, there will always be a capacity for good and progress of like, no, yes, like we should welcome these people. Even under these horrible circumstances, we should still welcome these people, you know? And it's like, because they're still people and like, hopefully they would, would return us the same grace and dignity. And like, that should never go away, no matter how bad the world gets. Like, that is what stops us from being the animals, yeah, exactly. you know? It's like the idea, even if it's not true, the idea that it could be true is, is enough that's worth like, holding on to you know and so like they're there in this movie exists the incredible and in a lot of the great movies we like i think that to me that's whenever that is addressed and that that theme is in all of the all of the movies that are probably in my top 250 is specifically that theme of like these extremes that we go as to humans but at the end of the day we all want the same things and i took the same thing from the big lebowski huh? <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
And it's like uh, <laughs> that's what I thought when I watched it too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it um them being the wolves, for example, just ends up being very very, very driving force in this because you, you find out how much the wolves are really willing to scheme at the cost of something that is insanely detrimental. You know, like the we've talked about it in other films. And I do think it's just a very sensitive topic, but that like a whole race was erased. Tribes are completely gone that we've never heard of. And so this is just a small story of some, some more stuff to happen to the Osage, you and, know? And what makes this so bad is that it isn't because of a, of a, a righteous goodness of, like, you know, we've always been sold the idea of, like, the savage, right? Yeah. And, like, that even feels awful to say. <laughs> but, like, that, like, no, it was for the sake of progress. We had to get rid of these people because they were stopping progress, right? And isn't it good that we have the railroads and electricity and blah, blah, whatever, all the things that have happened post that right this movie doesn't do that it the only we are going to murder these people for their money and there is no other way to look at it you know and it's like that alone is like a gut punch because it's like there is no redeeming factor of like the fake heroics you know of like i don't know if you watch a john wayne movie and you know you're a patriot you know you're like, oh look he's hey it's the war in the indians you know like hey what are you gonna do right like no this movie doesn't give you that option <laughs> And it's like, no, we're going to kill these people for their money. And then you just have to sit with that now for three and a half hours, you know? And it's like, you hope for some bit of relief and it is not there. And it's like, it, it, I, I came home after the movie and I watched the trailer on Apple and it's like, uh, it's already, boy, are they good with the marketing? The trailer already has like scenes in the movie that like weren't in the previous trailers, you know? So like the scene of Robert De Niro telling Leonardo DiCaprio, like you need to get your house in order and all of that. And like the Osage, their time is over. And I don't know if you noticed, but a woman like audibly gasped when Robert De Niro said that in the theater. And, like, I think this lady must have been so taken aback by that because it was really unsettling, you know, because it's like, you know what's happening. But to just hear it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Is like, oh, my God, like you really are sitting there the whole time. Just like, I can't believe what I'm seeing, you know, like. I don't know. Maybe we've, maybe the the propaganda and other type of movies like where they make like the white savior slave movie or whatever, you know, like these other movies where they try to like whitewash history or make it seem not so bad. Maybe they've done such a good enough job of making us think like, oh, I guess I, I, you know, that's how bad it was. And then it's like, no, you can't even imagine how bad it, it was. was uh, right? This lady was, it was funny. It's in the same theater. Thought that in the past there also existed a white man who would have gotten up like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, <laughs> Hold up, this is wrong. Get, oh, yeah. We need. To, I'm going to talk to the manager about and this. another thing. And like th this goes to maybe your complaint a little bit, and it's like Martin Scorsese. I haven't seen him say this, but this is an opinion I've seen in a positive manner of the point of view, and it's like. He does this to really settle in, like to set in to like, no, this is, I want to show you this evil. And if he was to do it through the perspective of the Osage, like there's a possibility that that gets lost because people, not just, you know, and not a certain type of people, people when they watch movies tend to kind of, uh, of, uh, can try to find a way to connect with the character, no matter who it is. Right. Fuck, when you watch Prey, you're like, no, I'm not some Native American girl in the Great Plains fighting an alien, but I could under I can understand her plight. You know what I mean? 
And this movie, by putting it in the point of view of these evil men, is like, uh, no, 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 no. You're not on that side, so you don't get to pretend that you would understand what it's like. You know what I mean? Like, you're on this side, so you have to sit in, like, it's only, I don't want to say it's, like, blaming people. Like, this is your history or whatever. But it's like, no, no, no. I don't want you to think for one second that these are like, oh, I relate with the good guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, we're going to sit here, and I'm going to make you... uh rethink some things you know i think they're it's like reimagining not reimagining but like bringing truth to the like western mythos you know that maybe some people didn't have before it's 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 similar to you know steven spielberg making indiana jones and personifying indiana jones as the american that comes in this is this is a good guy it's just it's 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 that is the fantasy you know of course because that's his boy too i love that movie we all love this movie. that's like because of that you know because like i did wish there was one guy who took care of like in the same the same way people really love inglorious bastards right like oh, god i wish they would have shot him in the face like that you yeah know? i wish that did happen i, I right? wish yeah. you know i i wish this lady or i wish you know this this battalion existed and they would have just literally shot his face so many times it was unrecognizable but get like but history itself humans itself or you know and, and even in terms of that like an historical aspect like we're so easily manipulated that these things have happened in our past and a lot of us haven't or people didn't stand up and say anything it took a very special people were willing to give up their lives to you know what we should probably die because people shouldn't be slaves or you know etc for not not obviously not trying to justify war but there is like this a uh, uh, little like um aspects in our history at least as americans that have shown that we have been terribly wrong you know there's even like asian encampment same thing right where it's like that's something that we don't ever talk about no one ever talks about be like that, oh right? oops sorry yeah. you know what i mean like we we just had to be safe but it's like you would think now in the era that we live in you're like but why why, why would you assume why would you what happened to you know innocent until proven guilty be like those we were animals guess what even up to 50 years ago and now we still are except we try to hide it even more and i think this movie is and like now some people actually it's good like yeah you know what i mean and i think this movie is like showing you know the wolves wear suits the wolves have you know preference in the country the wolves are scheming years ahead years fucking ahead and this is still going on today. The effects of this, of like there's wealthy Oklahomans now, and it's because of the head rights that they received from their ancestors who did this not that long ago. Not because that long ago. this movie ago. starts in the 20s. Uh, interesting aspect about this movie is it never acknowledges the time frame, mm -hmm. right? But it is of, over many, many years. Just like The Irishman and Wolf of Wall Street and some of his other movies lately, you know, it's like they really do try, they, they feel long because they are long and it's because they're exploring someone's life or a long period of it, you know? It's like The Irishman's three hours long, three and a half hours long because it's about like 60 years of a dude's life. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I will say, Sorry I didn't condense that into 45 minutes. I will say that it, it was pretty cool to me that it, it this has to be canon then this universe oppenheimer also did happen <laughs> yeah was, Babe, I mean, the, the cinematic universe right american history the cinematic universe <laughs> i was like oklahoma oh. new mexico they're kind of close very distinct things going on dust bowl right yes, sir all right cool we can have our american cinematic universe of american history of things that actually there happen, will be that blood. Are important right <laughs> and then they all team up huh? yep
<laughs> the flower moon will return. No huh? country, old man. Yeah, yeah the <laughs> we must go to Oklahoma, huh? Oklahoma. Shot of the flower moon flowers, huh? Is Daniel Plainview walking in? Hey, I could write this movie. Huh? <laughs> I'm just making a Marvel movie about American history that actually happened. Right? Same tropes, same beats, everything. Um, anyways, not to get too off track here, but uh, yeah, I was saying it feels long because it is long and it's covering a, a lot, a lot of time, you know, and it's not. There's nothing to feel good about when you're watching this movie. But, yeah. So, let's get to distributed by Apple, Paramount. First movie with Apple. Second movie with the streamer. Uh, I believe this is his sixth movie with Paramount. He's gone uh, back and forth with them for a while. Uh, edited by Thelma Schoonmaker. Schoonmaker. I always fumble that how to say it. Uh, if you like or hate Martin Scorsese movies, she could be a big reason why, because she's integral to his career. She's been there since the beginning. Um, I will say, go ahead. I did feel like this one was chopped up a little weird. Ooh, like edited so? a little weird. Like I, I, I felt like the transitions like are certain. Or? No, they didn't seem as smooth as I would think before in a Scorsese movie. It felt a little bit more harsh. I mean, she was when I saw her interview for this with Letterboxd, <laughs> she was using a walker, so not to be ageist, but you know, maybe that button slipping a little. <laughs> I just, you know, again, very minimal things. I'm not thinking about anything that, like, oh, this bugged me. I just felt like there was certain, um, obviously, I have issues. I told you I did feel this movie was long, so I have issues with tempo. So I think. That's that's what I'm talking about. I think the editing didn't make me really, even though I was obviously firmly, I was never bored in this movie. I will say that I did feel though that there were certain edits or length of scenes that I was like, does this need to be this long? But that's more on Martin wanting it that way. She's just hitting the button. More, he right? talked about Bo is afraid in Midsummer in terms of inspiring the pacing of the movie. Uh, these are two movies that we hold very dear to us. And they are also two movies that are long <laughs> and want you to feel very bad, <laughs> you know, about what you're seeing. So I do think that it's like a, an in, I do think it's intentional. Like we said, I don't think there's any accidents here with these types of things. But like you said, the it, no matter the intention, the results will always vary per person. So maybe it didn't work for you as much, you know. You're I like, did find that funny just because he said that. But then I'm like, those t these two movies are shorter than the movie you're making you know so i was like how do you really how much shorter is bo is afraid 245 i believe is bo is afraid no way really i thought that movie was three hours for sure i'm gonna make sure let me see let me double check here but i do think it's interesting that he uh yeah i mean i did i did find that that's actually an aspect i found that was really cool you know i'm not gonna lie that it, that, that he's he, inspired I by mean, a younger god <laughs> just uh, Ari Aster could just retire, right? I mean, yeah, we talked about no this, one can, that it's like what there's no director alive or maybe even dead that yeah, maybe Stanley Kubrick, right? That you would you would <laughs> oh, I know be so happy to get a compliment from or say that you inspired, you know? And it's like a lot of the people you could think of. It's like Scorsese has inspired them, even if he's their peer. So it's like there's there there is no higher mountain to climb compliment wise you know what i mean oh the guy on twitter doesn't like my movie huh? <laughs> you know who does bitch <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> i did i did think that like, and you know who is you know who is uh 
you know who is right there giving him suggestions he's seeing my shit and saying like i should make movies like that huh like the goat be like so fuck off you know maybe the internet maybe the what people say on twitter isn't what the world actually thinks (laughs) i mean he's praised all three of his movies in different ways so i i think martin's course says he likes all of his movies a lot he's put the hand on him huh you're you're a made man you're next exactly (laughs) that's great uh so let's talk about our three leads here uh lily gladstone i want to put her first because not to throw any shade at the movie but it's like the movie doesn't put her first even though a lot of the positives that i've seen about this movie try to say that oh at a certain point it shifts to becoming her story and i don't find that to be true at all that would be another one of my complaints not enough uh lily gladstone especially for the it's hard to talk about her without spoilers but it's like she is or should be the main character of this and she's not and that's a tough pill to swallow i do think it's intentional of course i don't think it's like oh he didn't know what to do like no i do think he he i don't want to say he minimized her but it's like I don't know. I haven't had this co- this complex of a feeling about a character in a really long time. I just wanted to feel, for example, in Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> weird movie to bring up, but that it was so strong, both of their performances, that you're like, I don't know which one is technically the lead here. I, I at least wanted that out of it. You know what I mean? Where you're like, she's the emotional, like the, the journey, the emotional journey is through her here. It's just that it's through his eyes, but I just thought that, you know, what his eyes would see is more of what, and that is there to obviously to a uh, certain extent, but I did end up feeling like, especially after you know the FBI agents do turn, I did Jesse Plemons and Leonardo DiCaprio's character more, which makes sense to me knowing that the book ends up coming from that perspective. But I never like, yeah, that's obviously one of my biggest complaints is I never really felt like it um, let her hold on to the point of view for even a little bit or and i end up thinking that that she's so fucking good in this movie yeah i just i just mean it's like to me it's where the tragedy lies in itself i don't really want to you know it's just they're historic characters so i understand like living in the perspective of the person who like you said is evil at the core but still loves his family loves what has come of it um, you know, not trying to get into spoilers, but that is shown in a lot of moments. But I did end up feeling like the biggest loss here is her all the time. And I, I did end up feeling like those moments are just kind of seen as checkpoints to now we're this much closer to getting the money. Now we're this much closer to getting the money. Now we're this much closer, which is how they ended up. I'm sure that's how they felt, right? <laughs> and yeah. like, but it's like in terms of making the movie that way, it's like I, I, I thought there'd just be some more tug and pull in terms of because they know that they did love each other so much that there would be s- some more moments where she, I, I don't know, just more of it, like, more highlighted or I do think it sh- there should have even been more moments between them too. Yeah. So I, as I mean, as much as I say that is a complaint in terms of like logistically, and I know it's a movie, you can do whatever you want. Right. But it's like, I do think with the intention of really highlighting the tragedy of her life. And like you said, like the, even it even pulls through with like 
the lack of Lily Gladstone in some moments, like reflecting like the uh, just how we see like even Martin Scorsese can tell this story. It's like you'd think she'd be the main character, and even in her own story, she's undercut, you know. And it's like that is the story of the Native American, you know. And that's why I think it's less disappointing because it's like, well. I know, I know you said like you could do anything, right? It's like, but like maybe like the moments like with her sister, you know, like those moments where they're just talking, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nothing awful is happening and you're just seeing these wonderful exchanges in the Osage language of her sisters and like what their everyday life is like, not only revolving around pain, you know, like that may be where I think the biggest criticisms come from, right? And it's like, yes, this is a very painful story, but you don't, she doesn't get as many dimensions as he does give to Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. she loves her family. She suffers greatly. And it's like, you don't really get to see too much of the other stuff. And it's like, obviously there is other stuff, right? But that's a, that's a choice to do that. Right. And it's like, I can understand that that choice is not that satisfying. I think, um, there's a quote from him from a while ago. Not that long ago, but it's kind of just like in terms of the cycle of the movie, the lifespan of the movie. <laughs> she said it within the past few years, I'm guessing. Though, um, no, I was just going to say, Martin Scorsese has said it that like <laughs> a lot of his intention behind making movies, like when he puts Robert De Niro into it, to try to spend as much time as he can with Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. He's almost like saying, like, I make these movies because I like kicking it with this fool. And it's like, I do end up feeling like that's the approach that ended up bleeding here was that, like, well, I really want to work with these two a lot on this movie. So what is the perspective that I can give to work the most with them? And, you know, Lily Gladstone, it's not that in any way he was like, oh, how do I use her at the least? I just end up feeling like that bias towards him as a creator, which any person who is making something how they want, they're going to put the people they like working with the most and trust the most. I think it just ended up being like, it's because I know what I, what they what I can get out of these two. You know? I would say, in spite of all of that, she still gives one of the best performances I've seen in a very very long time. Yeah, she's amazing in this. Um, and yeah, to your point, you know, it's like, and Martin Scorsese, as much as you love him, is like he's not without faults. So it's like this could be a fault of his filmmaking or the movie, you know. And it's like maybe in the time you shouldn't have like. Oh, my boy is going to be the star of the show. You yeah. know, like, yeah, and it, and it, not to say that it's like, this is why this movie's bad and he's a bad director, but it's like, he's not without fault. And like, you can't ignore that either. You know, like, it does feel like a bias, right? Of like, well, how do I make this story about these two characters, even though they shouldn't be the two main characters in this thing? Uh, but what I will, what I will say though is like, I don't want to say it's a cop out, but it's like, what? It, putting it in her perspective right if you try to make this movie it's like what story how do you tell this story in a way that like respects the truth because like the truth is not good <laughs> like there's no getting around that you know that like there is no way to bend this truth because that would be even more disrespectful than making like an exploitation movie or something like that like you know spike lee has always had a problem with django unchained because it's exploitative of this pain you know and it's like that didn't happen so stop with your fucking fairy tale imagination of like what if this guy was a gunslinger and went and killed all these slave owners like that didn't happen so give us the respect and dignity of accepting what did happen you know and it's like quentin tarantino was a huge rewriter of history right and it's like i guess 
it uh everyone can kind of agree that it's like or i sound ignorant saying that but it's like at least from my point of view and the point of view of other people i've seen it's like it's highly satisfying to watch hitler get shot in the face a thousand times so it's like you kind of let that one slide and it's like yeah it is it is better to imagine a world where sharon tate didn't get brutally murdered by charles manson's family of psychos you know but it's like i do think it's an even more mature touch of like hey i hate to break it to you but there's no good ending to this and it's like maybe that is the way he operated you know obviously i can't speak for him but at least for me that's what it feels like it's like i don't know how you tell this story through their perspective like and uh one of the advisors on the film i believe his name is chris cote he is osage and it's like martin scorsese at the end of the day is not the person to tell this story so while it is good that he did and this opens up the eyes and hopefully the doors to more movies being made. He's still not the right guy to make the movie because he is not as much as he cares. He can still never truly like provide what the truth is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, especially talked about his upbringing, uh, which is like, you know, Catholic. And at the end of the day, he is obviously an older Italian white guy. So. And, uh, yeah, he's can, not white. He's Italian. You can be as <laughs> cognizant as you want. Obviously, open to it, but I do think there's certain there is certain topics that are insanely sensitive. But I mean, again, it's not like I end up feeling like this movie's disrespect. That's I don't feel that no. That's disrespectful anyway. And I think that would be the um, ultimate like falter of a movie like this. So at least he is somebody you could trust that is going to treat this with care i guess i didn't want to also say that um in terms of because we were talking about the performances that i think that's where a lot of disappointment comes for me is i did feel like leonardo, leonardo dicaprio's character or his performance was the weakest and then obviously he's a lot of the screen time so i didn't really kind of end up feeling like yeah i didn't like what don't you like about it if you don't mind i i just down. thought it was acted to a like he's in a different movie. Like I, I do think um, any moments where he was trying to show some type of emotion came off to me almost comical. Um, I'm not going to say overacting, but it, 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 it just seemed like the tone. I thought Rick Dalton was up there. Like that's it, it to me. It felt like Rick Dalton was up there making uh, was in a movie, and I, I, I think that has a lot to do with me ending up feeling like, am I, what am I supposed to feel for this character? Because in, in that sense, I never could really sit on that there was any conflict between him. Or like you said, because early in the movie, it just seems like somebody who does what he's told to do um, by his uncle. But it is also, you know, a failure in terms of he had to come back here to try to carry out this plot with his uncle. So I ended up really feeling like, did this in what way did picking Leonardo DiCaprio for this role help? I did feel like it could have been anybody else, honestly. And I, I don't think I've ever felt that way about any of his performances. So I found that very surprising. I do think I like there's a lot of the joke, obviously, right? Like the sad face he ha had on the whole time. Like, what is this supposed to like? I, I don't understand that type of. I guess approach that he made towards the movie. Like it just, and the character never really sat well with me. Like, and the other two did. So I, I don't know. Have you looked into if like, this is a common complaint with others? I have. Yeah, it is. So that's why I was like, that was one of the things like, 
Because, I mean, I don't feel that way at all, but I do find that interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, this, this I think a lot of the people that I feel similarly about with the movie seem to find, like I said, it is too long. Um, and Leonardo DiCaprio isn't that good in this role. And I think, you know, sometimes for other movies, I'm like, really? But for this one, I, I, I did feel it. Like, I was like, I mean, it's not terrible, but I'm not feeling... Like, this is up to par at all to what I would be expecting. And maybe it has to do with the subject matter for the character that he is. But, yeah, I, I didn't feel like it was in, in any way, like, comparable to the other two, at least. I find that interesting because I do think that the character itself falls in line with a lot of the type of characters he's been playing lately. Um, I do think that Leonardo DiCaprio willingly made a choice after like a certain point in time of like, I'm going to ditch trying to be the traditional movie star and I'm going to be do something more interesting. And like, he does play a lot of bad guys or like not necessarily good guys <laughs> in his movies. Right. So it's like the Wolf of Wall Street, obviously uh, even in his last movie, which is, I'm pretty sure don't look up is the last one. Right. And it's like, I wouldn't say he's necessarily like a good guy in that movie. You know, it's like, he's got the right intention of bringing this to light, you know, and like, God, why won't anybody pay attention? But it's like, I, he has been better served by playing like this, like, not bumbling idiot type because like that's what he is in this but he it's almost like moronic you know what i mean like i feel like wolf of wall street really cemented it it's like this evil guy who like thinks he's so smart but isn't really <laughs> you know what i mean so i felt it's kind of more in line with what he's been doing lately so like i thought it fit perfectly and then as for like the rick dalton thing it's like i do get that because like i just think that's like he pretty much did just carry that accent over right like but I don't know how much range he's supposed to have, right? Between like, hey man, maybe change your accent a little bit or whatever, so you're not sounding like the character you last played. But yeah, so I, I don't really know how to approach that one. Uh, and it's not like I feel like he needs defending, you know? Of no. uh, oh, you're so wrong about this. I mean, that's what makes the movie subjective, obviously, right? It's like as a big fan of Nicolas Cage, I can totally understand when people see the complete opposite of what you're seeing, you know? So it's like that that makes sense to me, but that is not a complaint I have seen, honestly. Uh, I do find that interesting. But I will say that between Lily Gladstone's character and then our other lead here, Robert De Niro, who was just like, oh my God, this is why this is one of the greatest actors who's ever lived right here, you know? And it's like... Well, yes, everything post pretty much 2000 has not been very kind to Robert De Niro. Uh, he can remind you that he's one of the greatest actors to ever live. And that is just, I can't think of things that are more true, you know, like about, there's some solid truths about film. Like, and that's one of them, that Robert De Niro is one of the great actors. And this performance, oh my God. God, is it fucking good. It's like the the charming tenderness of that old grandpa and then like the evil snake that he actually is. And then like the way that like he he's more believable as a uh, that I maybe this is kind of helping your point a bit here. But it's like I believed more that he actually loved these Osage people than Leonardo DiCaprio's character does. I think Leonardo DiCaprio loved his wife. Uh, you know, I believe that Ernest Burkhart loved Molly. I don't believe that he cared for the Osage people. I do believe that King Hale was able to appreciate portray that he yeah. did. You know what I mean? Or like, oh, I have an affinity for the Osage. I also don't mind murdering them all, you know? And it's like, that is a, 
I don't know if maybe he should have been like the actual main antagonist character, but there's not yours like just not enough of him in this movie either. It's like I kind of wish he was in it even more too, but you can't like you know he's like the he's like the 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 shark in Jaws though. It's like you can't give too much, you know. You don't want to let it all out like slow, 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 and it's like it's just so no de- no depths to this man's evil like how far he's willing to go right and then it's like you think he's this cold calculating villain but then you will honestly see that it's like and this is even really a gut punch for me it's like wow it isn't that he's so cold and calculating it's that no one fucking cares that he's doing this you know what i mean and like that to me really like set in like this like cold feeling in my body right i was like Oh fuck! Like it isn't that he's some mastermind, because he becomes very careless throughout the film. Yeah, you know, and it's like, oh, uh, can we start doing a little bit of spoilers here, right? Like I won't talk about specifics, but see, like we go from like obscure poisoning to blowing up houses, right? And it's like at what point? At one point, another character tells him like, "You're becoming much too obvious about this entire thing," right? Or there's a point where. Not only does he murder people for, you know, profit, he's also just a fucking schemer, right? And it's like arsony, insurance scams, right? And it's like that scene when he is crying over not receiving the insurance money over a man's body that he's technically in possession of was the ultimate just like petulant child. You know what I mean? It's like this man is nothing more than a child with too much power and evil in his heart, you know? It was similar to the scene. I think people found it pretty funny and I think it is meant to be funny. It's it's the same sentiment obviously when it's, you know, one of the white guys talking about like, oh if, if I sign this and I make them my kids and I kill them, I get their money, right? And it's kind of like Scorsese's pitch black humor, like to the like, oh my God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was, it's a funny line, right? But then when you really sit there with it, you're like, oh my God, this guy just said that he's going to, I'll adopt these kids only if it's worth them dying. If I can kill them immediately after and I'll be legally be able to take their money, which is insane, right? But I, I think that's where the most insane part is that it's true. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> obviously I, I don't, again, don't know if somebody phrased it that way, was that bold about it, but it's what you said. It ends up being like, it's because nobody cared. So even the lawyer would be like, you know what? Yes. If you do that, yes. Are you going to pay me? You know what I mean? It doesn't. It ended up being like, if I kill this dog right now, will you give me a million dollars? Like, yes. And then that's the way that they saw it, you know? And that's not funny because it happened, but it, it is in the context of this movie because it's, it's just so ridiculous. It's uncomfortable because you're like, I can't believe I just heard that, right? Yeah, and also, and also it's, it's again like because you know – you still are watching an entertainment that you know, again, this was willingly put in, in you know, in the scene and it's supposed to, in a way, hit you home the same way Dr. Strangelove is when he's riding the fucking bomb, you know, and doing it, you know, like he's riding in a rodeo. Like, yes, yeah, it's, it's funny, funny that the world is ending like that, right? But it's it's also, that's, that's what humans are. Humans will do the most stupid, prideful things in the face of death or whatever because they still think that it's going to bleed into the next life or whatever and... I think at the end of the day, dark humor like that is, again, very, it's just willing, it's supposed to give you a reaction, you know, and I, and I do think that is effective in that, in, in that way. And because it just shows you like the callousness and the carelessness of these people of like, I don't really feel one way or another, but bring money into it. Oh, I, uh, yeah, kill them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, kill them. Yeah. Easy. Easy. Oh. 
ultimately, I did just end up feeling needed more De Niro and driving goggles, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was good stuff there. Uh, nice costume touch there. Um, so there's other things about the film obviously like i would i did want to talk about like the cinematography i thought was just fucking masterful work here rodrigo prieto mexican cinematographer shout out um known for his work with alejandro gonzalez inaritu uh he's done a few movies or well he's done more than a few movies but you know highly regarded cinematographer um has worked with scorsese since the wolf of wall street uh exclusively as his cinematographer um some of the shots in this movie are just like some of the most beautiful paintings I've ever seen, you know? And it's like, I can think of, well, one camera movement specifically, it's a tracking shot. I'll never forget is when Ernest comes home to the farm and it's like circling around him, going through the whole entire house. Right. I just was like, it's those kind of things where you're like, I, I, it's good when you watch a Martin Scorsese film and then you're reminded, you're like, I'm in a master's hands. You know what I mean? And I thought that way too. Like instantly with the opening shot of like the peace pipe burial ceremony, just the opening shot of like that pipe and the hands, you know? And I'm like, though that right there is like, that's the power of cinema right there. Like that could be a painting, but this is just somehow, in my opinion, you know, more beautiful. You know, and it's like, that's why we do this. Cause like, look at that, you know? And then also the other one for me, that's real. Like, I'll never forget seeing this is the burning of the ranch for the insurance money of like, I don't think I've ever seen a better version of like hell on screen. You know what I mean? It looked like water that was on fire and not like the surface, but like the water, like the actual like molecules of the, of the water were fire. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if, if fire had taken the shape and properties of water, like it was unlike anything I've ever seen. It was just really, really masterful work on display the entire film. And like, I, I guess that could kind of sound obvious in a Scorsese movie, but it's like, it, I just, I wanted to acknowledge how great this movie looked. Yeah, they gave him a lot of, I would say, you know, limiting things that are obvious in terms of budget that Apple gives them. And then, you know, they gave the old man the resources. It's a lot of the shots, I think, to show the land. There's a lot of drone shots here and they kind of show these vast, vast areas and spaces. And I think that is already being able to um, understand, again, the language of cinema the same way that you know when they made the lord of the rings movies they give you those type of shots so you could really become connected with this world like we're entering a new world and the scope of it how big the world really is and i did feel lord that of the rings way. is a great movie in doing that of like look how big the world is and i did feel like in this world like when ernest is driving in for the first time so you could see how rich the osage are and why they're rich and all of these things like i did feel like all of those shots cemented that very well um, I, I will say something I wanted to bring up I guess it's not really like a, a spoiler I don't think it's too insect, integral but I, I did find it really interesting the evil here being connected with like the KKK because I just didn't expect that whatsoever oh to see them right <laughs> yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah that was like a little like a, it's a good thing right that I didn't see that coming but I think that's like a, that's when it becomes in case you, your media literacy was off, right? Yeah. On what kind of people these are. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case, I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, I, you know, and to and to speak on the media, the media literacy literacy thing for a second, um, I do think that he 
didn't want anything to be misconstrued about this movie of like <laughs> even the people who are supposed like you would think would maybe be like complicit in the whole thing and it's like no 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 you're fucking evil too <laughs> you know what I mean because it's like you said it's like it's almost like you wish someone would stand up and be like this is fucking wrong and it's like that's what makes it so evil is that it's like no one sees what they're doing is even wrong it's almost like a god-given right to be doing what they're doing you know and it's like that's like the great american evil right and like not just american evil but like the evil of power of like this idea that like what you're doing is the right thing to be doing and not only are you doing the right thing but it's like uh for everyone it's the right thing not just for yourself you know and it's like that's what really is scary is like the idea of this violence and the name of progress you know yeah. And like, I do think one of the KKK is one of those things that, like, no, poof, like, kind of snap you into reality for a second because that's a very real thing still to this day. And like, yeah. maybe that's why it was so shocking to you, you know? Because you're like, oh, God. <laughs> like, oh, these guys? Oh, yeah. They're establishing. Oh, these guys again? These guys yeah. stink. <laughs> like, the, like, the FBI would have barely started to be around. These guys were already around. They got a, yeah, the KKK, who knows how long their head start is on the FBI, right? Um, and then the other thing, too, and it's like, about this like uh complacency with like how these things went down is like when they go to washington dc right and it's like they meet the president he tells she tells them what's going on he's like thank you that's it the fbi they were made aware of this before it took twenty thousand dollars for them to care so it's like even uh the people that you would think in terms of like well it's their job to solve this crime right it's like they don't really care they're only there because they got paid to do it. And it's like, this is a major spoiler, so I don't want to say to who and what effect. But it's like, even the doctors are fucking poisoning people in this town. Who can you turn to? There's no one to turn to. And it's like, that's what makes it so frustrating, honestly. And, like, I think, like, wh when the movie's this long and you have time to just, like, sit with that, like, it does anger you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, my God. Oh, they brought in a, they brought in a private investigator who could fucking... Uh, who's unbiased in the whole thing. Boom. He's gone. You know what I mean? It's like, it's too easy. You know what I mean? It's like, there's nothing they could do. It's like... It, 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 not only is it not a fair fight, it's like, I'm not even going to allow you to fight back. And like, that is one of the things that's like, it felt so relevant to like what's happening in the world now, like with Gaza and stuff like that. Right. And it's like, I'm not even going to offer you the decency of a chance to fight back. So there's that, you know what I mean? And like that felt really, really like contemporary to me, honestly, that I was like, geez, this just goes to show you that these are like evils that will never go away. As long as there is, like, uh, a need for power, you know, like, from one group over another. Yeah, no, I agree. It's especially on the sentiment, I think. Yeah. Again, why he's a great director, you know, being able to apply those feelings. And because I, I, I think that's why, again, any interest to any story, most people have them because they feel emotion towards them, whether it's happiness or fear or, you know, just intrigue of any way. Um it's usually because it ends up connecting to some type of emotion that is being all of us can relate to. Um, and not to not to get off the performers yet, because I think we should bring up the fact that there was like Osage and Native American cast members in this movie. And a lot of them are fantastic. And it's like the sad truth about it is that like this is a this was like a last call for a lot of people where it's like 
to save their acting career. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, that's like a sad truth about this thing too. And it's like, okay, yeah, maybe Martin Scorsese's not the right guy to tell this movie, but like, look, no one is telling not only this movie, any of these stories and these actors have nowhere to go because people don't want to put them in movies. Like for one, as just regular people for the most part, you know, it's like, not just because you're a native doesn't mean that the story has to be about native people. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It's like, are we still like, this is how far behind we are. Like for all the progress that has been made in the past decade for like diversity and stuff like that. It's this goes to show you too, like just how far behind we still really are in terms of like any being anywhere close to even like a solid baseline, you know? And it's like, why do none of these native actors have nothing to work on? Because there's no native movies. Well, why do they only have to be in native movies? And it's like, that's a question I don't want to answer. You know what I mean? Like that. It's like, do you want to know the truth? Do you want to know the truth? <laughs> right? And it's like, that is very meta about this movie and like the 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 truth of like how it works now still. You yeah. Know? I yeah. That's a, exactly. So I did want to say that they were wonderful in this movie. I'm not going to pretend I know all of their names because, you know, a lot of these people are either actors who have not been in a lot or they're not even actors. But I will say one really stuck out to me. And once I heard his story, I was like, that is just that. I don't even know what to say. It's like, I don't know what to say about it, but it's like, that is something is that the man who is in the, when they're in like the ceremonial, like hut deciding, like, what are we going to do? Like, in the old days, we would have used to kill these people, but, like, we don't live in the old days anymore. And, like, yes, times are civilized. Like, what do we do, right? That man's grandfather was murdered during this time. It was, like, that is, like, some powerful shit right there, you know, to, like, hear somebody who it's, like, yeah, he's a, sure he's acting in a movie. But it's, like, those words are couldn't be any more from the heart, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, like, you couldn't get a better person to convey the tragedy of this. Because this person has experienced this through their own like family line, you know, and it's like that was just really powerful stuff to me. And it's like not to be too like whatever, like emotional about the thing, but it's just like that's not something you can get in any movie, you know. And I'm not saying that just because it's Martin Scorsese, but it's like as a powerful subject to make a movie about. So sometimes some real life things can poke through that are just like really potent, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's just certain topics that are very real, you know. There's same thing in a movie like Schindler's List, right? You find out if I, I don't know if I'm sure there might be, but there's people in that movie who also their family was, you know, in the in some way killed in World War Two. Yeah, the people at the Jewish. end, the line of people at the end. So it's like it's it's the same thing because these things are real. It's like that's powerful shit. Dude. Like, yeah, I, that's, I know people could say, "Oh, it's cliche" or whatever, whatever, whatever negativity you want to throw on it. Be like, I don't see that at all, you know. And it's like that's one of the great things that movies can do. Yeah, no, like I know. Snap agree. you into reality for a second. It's like I know we're here to have fun and watch a movie, but like this is more serious than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean those older directors, greater directors, I think, understand that to a different degree, just based off how stories were told to them, you know, orally, or theme like you know, older stories always having that. What is the central theme of this? So story? before we finish this, let's talk about like let's make sure we really get those complaints out, right? Because I don't want to make it seem like we forgot about them or anything. But we talked about the pacing, right? That's one of them. For you, it's too long, right? Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio's performance, right? Uh, the point of view, right? So, do you feel like you you talked about that enough, or do you have anything else you really want to say about maybe what you didn't like about the movie or? I think what, I touched, what made it so frustrating for I you? think I touched it up 
pretty well on that. I again, yeah, just I did feel like it'd be more Lily Gladstone. Um, uh, I, I, I more love, less hate. A peace and love, baby. Yeah, I you know <laughs> I, I I did end up feeling like the. Um, for a general sense, I didn't feel like I ended up walking thinking about the Osage as much as I liked them. Like, I thought the coolest, every coolest aspect of this movie regarded them. So I Like their think, life and their culture and their stories. Yeah, and, they and, are. and that could be as easy as, like, because I have no exposure to it whatsoever. So it's like anytime I see this anywhere, I'm like, this is so cool to me. And then in terms of just being, ended up being like... um. There's, I, I do think there's like a different point of view, which would have been from Molly, um, that I would have appreciated more, or would have thought that would delivered more uh, strongly on in terms of showing the guilt, the pain, you know, just straight up um, injustices that as the Osage felt, but um, and it ends up coming down to like I said, perspective of who reads the book and what they think is, he's the one making the movie, you know, he's the one that gets the 200 million to make the movie, he's going to make it how he wants to make it. So that's just, I do think I've kind of touched upon that as much as I would. Leonardo DiCaprio's acting, obviously, um, just not to my liking as much as I wanted. wouldn't say terrible, but I did find in some pieces where I just couldn't really sit with the character too much. Um yeah, I did think it was too long. Like I said, the, the pacing. Um, Do you find it to be too long because the ending is un- the ending is unsatisfying to you? No, I do think that it's like a lot of the repeated things of like where I feel like because I I okay so like I think this movie starts off really good and um, the first act of this movie is just yeah it's up there for me but then that second the middle of the whole movie I just felt like it just dragged honestly and then. When it ends the way that it ends, I do end up feeling like... So the whole point, like this whole hour and a half, two hours, I would say almost, is just like... Like, Ernest loses his shit. You know what I mean? Like, or just... Ernest is, isn't a man. Like, it's just like this, this whole thing ends up being very, like... We've talked about how Wes Anderson learned after Bottle... You know, after, yeah, after Bottle Rocket, certain things could just literally take up a minute. Or something, and then to see the complete polar opposite being done on screen here, but then to see it capped off and um, to comment on what it comments, um, and then just kind of minimize certain aspects of the story. I just kind of like what made you think that the this whole middle part of showing by the middle part, do you mean like basically the all the genociding, like the 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 dismantling of the family? I would say that, like, it's the fact that it took, like, okay, one by one, we're going to talk about how each one is getting screwed over here. And then also, I think it does have to do more with the, so, like, they took a car for the insurance money, right? The insurance money on on the other dead Native American. Um, I don't know why the whole aspect of this movie was to keep calling them Indian. Maybe it's to further solidified that they didn't even have the respect to call them native americans but i did find oh, that back then that word did not exist really and so i did yeah. find that like kind of that's a choice to me because it's like you yes they didn't call them native americans but we know now that they weren't indians but i guess it would be the same way when you, you watch certain movies and they just keep referring to black people as the n-word right so 
sure that that's something we could go with um i don't necessarily think again just kind of gets old after a while um well uh, so i find that interesting because we are introduced to the fact that there's probably about like well in this let's say this specific story right not the surrounding towns whatever like this story molly knew at least 30 people who were murdered right and yeah it's one by one and slow and methodical but we only get to see the dismantling of her family really and like maybe one or two other people who are connected and that's this the surface so it's like this part to you that's dragging is barely the surface of what actually happened you know what i mean so it's like i talked to somebody after the movie we were messaging back and forth on instagram it's an old friend of mine and he was saying he was like I couldn't remember if they only covered her family and like, if they didn't, why didn't they discuss the other people who were like, uh, how they were killed too. Cause it's like the movie has a lot of montages of these people who were laying there like dead and like explaining supposedly how they were killed. Right. A lot of it is like foul play, honestly. Right. Like, or it's foul play but it's not presented that way right and it's these very slow shots of these people sitting there and like i think handled with dignity it's like how he shows dead people versus how he may have in the early 90s or 80s you know like that's a big thing and the maturity of scorsese is like how the violence is done right it isn't these kinetic fast-paced tight angles like ultra violence you know what i mean like a lot of the shots in this movie like delma schoonmaker commented on are like our wide shots of like it's like a it's like a perspective from far away of like you need to see this not as not as one of the characters like maybe in goodfellas you're supposed to feel like henry hill you know and like that's why the movie feels like cocaine at one point you know what i mean it's like to make you feel like him but this movie isn't trying to make you feel like him it's trying to make you observe what it is like as an outsider um yeah, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But the, the the just the difference in the violence of like how he conveys it now and how he how he used to. And like I think the reason it drags for one is like to really like hammer that point home. And it's like maybe to your point here, it's like it isn't a point that like needs much hammering. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like I realize, and like you think anybody with the heart would realize like how like the injustice that take is taking place here. Right. So it's like almost like a, not an overkill, but like a, I don't know. It doesn't feel good. I will say that like nothing in this movie to me feels good. Well, Cause like, I know? do think the driving point is like, um, look at what they did to them. Right. But it's like, you're revealing to, there is no surprise to it because you're revealing this to me within 15 minutes that the movie's going to be about how, so how are we going to take this from them? So I know that the objective here isn't to like, resonate with this character at all because from the get-go i know what they're and i mean like you said this is a historical thing so i know that they're going to take this from them so it's very similar to other movies you're like the stakes were never high i don't understand what the stakes were here because you're telling me from the get-go what's going to happen and that's exactly what happened and it's like well usually in some kind of perspective like for example i keep bringing up like schindler's list it's about the one little decency of thing that happened and yes the fbi come in here and they found out that all these people but it never was addressed and it's kind of like well now why do i know the name of the people who fucked these guys over i don't think they should have any certain type of like the book exists already the names are out there but now you've attached robert de niro and leonardo dicaprio to these characters who it's like 
Well, that is why is because yes, the book exists and yes, it could be a New York times bestseller, but movies will have a whole different outreach to people who are not going to read that book. And then yes, like, you know, you can't lie. Robert De Niro is a reason like your average person who likes movies might go see a movie, you know? And it's like, yeah, because Robert De Niro is this bad guy is why I know who he is. Not because I'm actually, this might be an even deeper one. It's like, not that I'm even actually interested in this. It's just that I will watch Robert De Niro be a bad guy or whatever, you know? And then, yeah, I guess like that ends up like, because this movie is a much more serious matter, like in terms of being disappointed, walking out and being like, so how is this a benefit to the Osage people that this film was made for $242 million to the most affected group here i was like how does this benefit them in any way i think just the fact that it like you have to start by acknowledging that this thing even happened and it's like most people are not even going to know that so it's like this takes a lot of groundwork that not one movie is going to like well there's no solving it you know what i mean like, no, like, and yeah, i think exactly. that because like i do think and it's like i'm not saying that i'm trying to tell you how to feel but it's like a lot of your complaints and like frustration sound like it's like, yeah, this is how frustrating this is in real life. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, and you would hope maybe the movie would give you something else, but it's like almost like a, not a reality check, but like, a, I don't know. Like the ending to me was kind of like a, like, I, I hate to break it to you, but even me making this movie is like nothing still in the grand scope of this whole thing. Like, and there is nothing to do to make this better. And like, I can tell you about it and I can make you aware that it happened. But even me doing that is like, nowhere near enough because there is no such thing as like there's no making this better you know what i mean because like the awareness thing to me it's like but the book exists it's different if there was no book if you're, you're bringing up this story that nobody has made before and you're addressing it like this the story is literally they only know it in and you know okay well, would Osage. you say that about every historical book that's based on a true story that becomes a movie well, because most movies, they get changed in terms of, like, there there is a historical context why this movie is being made, this perspective, this untold story or made-up story that ends up being, like, isn't this what we wish happened or something? But, like, in this terms, like, it has a different outreach, sure, but to who? We were talking about, like, yeah, it's $242 million and it's, like, it's you know like let's say it's breaks even or like let's say it's make a hundred million at it's the not end. Going to, probably. But like but what 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 changed from this movie being made? Because it's like if there was any change that came from it, it was from the book. It was from whoever the author or wherever this story resurfaced. But the making of this movie, how does it affect the Osage people at all? And I think that's obviously complaints that I've heard from Osage people. But there is Osage people who worked on it who. I mean, in simple terms of who it's going to benefit is like Lily Gladstone will most likely or hopefully win an Oscar and go on to probably become a more popular actor. The Osage actors that are in this movie will probably go on to be in more movies. So it's like not to be like <laughs> it's not like a politician. Here. Hey, it's creating jobs. Be like, But it does bring like an awareness to these people because it's like this is going to sound awful, but it's like there's a lot of people don't even know these people exist. Like, and now they do. And like, and that alone is a, uh, an achievement that not that it sounds bad to say it because it's like, it shouldn't need to happen. Right. And this idea of like, Oh, well the book, but it's like, I don't know. 
So do you wish this movie didn't exist in just the book? No, my point is what was what is the what is the catalyst to make this movie? How does it benefit? Because it's a very sensitive well, topic. He what didn't it, decide to make this movie. This movie was like floating around. Like this is a movie that like you know, it's not like he like seeked this out and was like, "Oh, I need to tell this story." It's like this is a movie that was going to get made and then he was like, wait, I want to make this movie. To be like, so every creative decision of in terms of how it should be portrayed was his then, like so because he did choose to make Ernest the main character in his portrayal of the story, which is like that's kind of sets my point more because it's kind of like well, so it's not like somebody told you you should do it to this perspective. He thought for me to resonate most with the Osage people, it should be done through Ernest's point of view. Which I, I just don't understand how that's I don't to. honestly think, the more I think about it, that the intention was to resonate with the Osage people. Yeah, and then, then that's what I mean. It's kind of like, well, they're the most affected in, in this story. Like I I don't think any of these actors are going to be in any other movies, personally. And Lily Gladstone could get nominated. I would want her to win. But I if she doesn't, what then? Like I don't, and what is, I I don't see how the Osage people who are the most sensitive topic to talk about in this movie really gained anything from this. Besides like, yes, people knew their names, but the book existed. There's history books about all of these famous, you know, Native American tribes existed. So I don't, I don't have this reason to think people who actually cared needed this movie to care. If the information has been out there. I don't think that it, that is the intention to make the people who already care, care more. I think it is to bring this to the masses. Yeah, no, that, I mean, yeah, that, but like, and then that's my point, like bring this to the masses for what intention? To show the evil, not to be like, hey, these were like really sick people who <laughs> were done wrong. No, you know I know, but I mean? to show the evil, yes, but, and then what's going to come of it? Again, well, that's, that's okay, my point. Well, my, I wanted to bring this up earlier is that I think that this movie encapsulates everything about Martin Scorsese movies. And one of the big aspects of his film is like religion, right? And like the religious guilt. And I do think that that's like part of it is like acknowledging this and like feeling bad about it, not fucking like trying to tell it in any other way. Like for me, at least that's what I feel like his intention is. Like I obviously I can't say that that's for sure or not, but like that's what it felt like to me was like, I have to like, I, at least, as Martin Scorsese, want to acknowledge this. And, like, I think that's why the ending is the way it is, too. And it's, like, there is no happy ending for me to tell you. And, like, it would be wrong of me to try to make a happy ending or to try to, like, I, I don't know. It's it's so complicated. But, like, that's just how I feel, at least, that for me, at least, that bringing it to the forefront and making it a popular story for the masses because like it will become popular like more than the book most likely like the book will have done better numbers probably but i do think that the movie will make it live in a way that the book just won't or like the books don't possibly i mean again i think because it but that in itself is commenting and also working in terms of the evil that is in this movie because okay if lily gladstone gets nominated it'd be like either robert de niro or leonardo dicaprio is also going to get nominated and they will most likely win because they're they're legends right and they're not persons of color uh apple gets another thing to add to their boom we have another movie that won the at the at the oscars 
Um, Martin Scorsese has another great movie nominated, to, but, but what did the Osage people gain from this? I don't see anything that they gain from this. And it's kind of like this very delicate topic is not something most movies are made out of. So it's not usually a discussion like how how did, you know, the natives in Taika Waititi's movie, how did they, like, because that's not really usually the case of something that's like, a, again, very sensitive to aboriginals, right? But it's like, usually it's, it's, it's not this situation. But here it's like you have this multi-million dollar movie and I don't see in any way how the Osage have gained anything besides, again, people profiting from their story. So you think this is an exploitative movie at the end of the day? From, I mean, the creative choices that were taken here, I don't think, like you said, they weren't made to be like, I'm going to show you their pain or that. So I find that very weird for to like, because you chose to make this material. So to me, it's a very like in itself, the thing it's making fun of is what it is. And I find that I don't think I've ever felt like that in any situation before where, you know, and once upon a time, they kind of talked about, sure, maybe Cheryl Tate, Sharon and her, Tate. Sharon Tate and her and her family. I feel like this is fucked up to make or, you know, another one like Elvis, for example, and Priscilla, right? Like how Elvis estate does not, but that's, that's what happened. Those are the things that happened, but they're very like, they're not as sensitive as this is like races weren't exterminated because of this. So it's like, this is like a big thing about like, it's the same thing as like, why are they all really good uh, slave movies? Like it's always like, or black, movies where a lot of black characters have won Oscars are slave movies. Just like at the end of the day, the only thing that's seen as like, oh, this is really like important is exploitation. And it's kind of like, it's, you said it yourself, like why is there not non-Native Americans movies that don't have to do about this? Why is it that they're not nominated in a movie like, you know, like in um, How to Blow Up a Pipeline? A lot of the, the main, one of the main characters is Native American. Is he going to win anything for that? No, because that doesn't, that's, it's not going to translate to that. In terms of, oh, you know what, now all these Native Americans, like, we're going to put them in movies. Lily Gladstone, sure. But she was, like, it's not like she was completely unknown before this. Like, yes, she's wanted, of course, she said she wanted to not do this. And, like, she didn't want, she wanted to quit. But there's a reason Martin Scorsese put her in the movie. It's not like she's completely, like, a nobody. So it's like, okay, somebody who is already getting some type of recognition might get some more, sure. But the Osage people, what did they gain from this? Yeah, I mean, I yeah. I understand what you're saying, and it's like, but with your complaints, it's like there is no answer to your complaints. No, there's not. So it, I don't. That's why I'm like, where do you fall on this? So like, you you don't. I not not that you have to make the decision, but it's like, do you? So you like this movie, but you also think it's like extremely exploitative. It's a like, good. It's a good movie, but the problem is that like it's. The, the subject matter is not a movie. So it's can a, a very, movie like this not be exploitative? Like even I don't if, think uh, it can. Okay, I don't, I don't, so then I, it shouldn't exist? Like, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth or, like, start an argument or anything like that, but I'm just trying to, what is the through line here? So this movie is very good, but it is exploitative. Yeah. And, like, and should exploitative movies not exist or movies by their nature cannot not be exploitative? Well, in this term, in... in Okay, like for this one, like for example, so is like, is there someone who could have handled this rightly? Like, how even is this, an Osage director would have handled this? How rightly? is this not yeah. better suited if it was a documentary? Oh, well, I mean, you could say that about a lot of stuff, though. Like, especially historical things. I, the Napoleon movie that's coming out. How would that, how would that not just be well, better as a documentary? They're, they're dead. All those people are dead. 
well, all these people are dead except for a very few of them. They're not though. Like you, you're just like you're just telling me that a lot of like the the grandson of this guy is alive. Yeah, but if ten thousand people is not a lot compared to fucking twenty, fifty million. But like you said, you, know? you said earlier in the episode, like Oklahoma people who have money know that they came from this. Yeah. So these people are alive. Well, I mean, it's, Ernest Burkhart died in 1986. That's why, like, it's it's like all of these things that they drew out of that the book drew out of. There was some facts to it. There's some FBI. So there's like certain certain topics like you could never duplicate with the movie. It's like Richard Ramirez. Whenever they're gonna make the movie, be like, is that as intense as the actual thing that happened? No, it's not. And guess what? Because it's highly sensitive. Because a lot of people, they lost loved ones in this thing. So this specifically in its nature is very exploitative because I do think it's like, it's not like this is being made by an Osage director and like they're getting all the profits and now we're going to re like, it's not Apple is getting this money and they're not going to get any awards. It's not like, Oh, you got an Oscar. So guess what? Now people are coming to the Osage, uh, whatever it is that they have in their property. And then, you know, you know, there's a bunch of people now here. I don't see how this film is going to affect them in any way. And then it for this specific topic that you chose to make this movie, I think that's a very, like, a big remark. Because not every movie is made about a topic like this. So it's, like, a very unique to its situation. And like, is it a well-made movie? Yes. But I do find it not as sensitive as I thought it should have been. So I think that's, I guess that's the driving force here is I, I think this is a very well-made movie but i didn't enjoy it as much as i wanted to enjoy it because i didn't feel like the trailer exactly gave me what i thought the movie was going to be and it's like well i did think that there was going to be perspectives from molly that grounded me and gave me that you know that emotional pain that they were supposed to have as people but i i didn't feel that and i i've been wanting to ask you about because we've kind of dodged this the whole episode, but it is an interesting comparison because it's a similar subject matter. We talked about it earlier as Oppenheimer of the outcry that we've, you know, was there from the Japanese people and basically just laughed out of the room. Right. And like, uh, no, like, why do you think this is so different? Oppenheimer is the title Oppenheimer. Yeah. It's about a person. Yeah. It's about the scientist. It's about a Jew who built a bomb in terms of trying to save his people. The U.S. obviously completely took that to another extent. And this became, again, another fucking like, we're going to use this. The U.S. is going to use this as a way for further our name in the world. To be like So that in itself was like that story of Oppenheimer being exposed like that and being used to that way is is shared in some in in several books but there's never any adaptation of what it would be like to be in the head of oppenheimer so there is no direct like oh nolan bit this off of well, one there's book. the book american prometheus which it's based on right? I, I, that's what i'm saying but that's it's several books it's not just completely i i took this book and did the whole book it's this story of the apple nobody knows if it's true or not they were mad about that they'd be like why did you include that because it's a story that was told you know what I mean? It'd be like, so a lot of like, it ends up being like there is nothing exploitative about that movie because the, he doesn't show the Japanese how they ended up looking. He just even shows it to you in slideshows Oppenheimer seeing it. But it's so like the people who did want to see that because like that was that is one of the complaints for that movie. Right. Like even Spike Lee, you know, he's like Christopher Nolan's made some of the best movies of all time. He knows exactly what he's doing. But I, for one, would have liked to see that. You know what I mean? Like to not include that almost feels like a 
like a not that you like like Oppenheimer. It's not even like that he like backs Oppenheimer, but it's like I don't know. Maybe gives him like because the ending of Oppenheimer is not open ended in any way. It ends with the medal ceremony, right? Of like, hey, well, they kind of fucked him over, but he's still an American hero at the end of the day, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think the driving force of what Albert Einstein tells him is, you know, th- that ends up being like, again. A connection to that's what humans do in terms of not wanting to feel guilty and it's funny that you bring that up because that is what we're seeing here it's like they will make you they will take from you and then they will make everybody think that you did wrong and then they will give you a medal and tell me like sorry that we did that to you and i hope everything feels better but like there's nothing you could give me anymore that is gonna ever bring that back to me all of that shame all of that loss all of that emotional and it's like this movie being made about such a sensitive topic again it's like well you're bringing this up you're rehashing this pain how are you gonna in any way fix this and you can't obviously that you you can't or obviously like every everything seems to be like oh so you're gonna donate money right but that that's never gonna be really something that is viable but it's a start i think but it's like this movie is being made and i don't see like the reason why like why at all it's going to benefit the people that it mostly is talking about in this movie um which yeah like oppenheimer um i think christopher nolan understands it'd be like showing the japanese and what happens go look at the pictures go look at the documentary I'm not going to make it for you to see because guess what? Be like, I'm I, that's so sensitive. I'm not going to show you that. Go look, go read the books, go read the first-hand accounts of these things happening. And so I like I'd be like, that is a very driving force to me because Oppenheimer remains my favorite movie of the year, but it has to do with that. I do think it's very taken. It's the opposite of this. It's taken with care to people that did end up suffering from this and understands that I'm telling you this story from a person who was conflicted, but there was people who his his decisions affected very much like a whole other race or you know a time in history and i think it it understands that and it does treat it better than i think this movie does so do you think like at the end of your like in your heart of hearts that martin scorsese did not do right by the osage people i don't think so i think like you could have advisors and what is the advisor supposed to say? No, Martin, don't do it that way. You, th- you think they're, <laughs> you're right. I should do it this other way. No, he's I mean, not going is, to. That is how it has been portrayed. It's like, obviously not that they're writing the thing, but that's like, he took deeply into account the things that they've said. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've seen both sides. You know what I mean? Like I, I I've seen, Osage just seemed to be like kind of what you're saying. Be like the fact that you guys know this is only one of our stories and the pain that we felt. We acknowledge that this is great that you guys now know this, you know, and the world can now understand. But I've also heard be like this is exploitative as hell. Like there's there's nothing that we're gaining. Like what I what I'm getting at is like the same thing. Like that's what I've heard. I'm not completely just taking this off of like obviously it becomes like a very personal. I put myself in the shoes. Like well. I didn't feel like, and I think that comes due to expectations. Like I just am talking based off the expectations, but when you do see that some of the complaints, what I think are the most important demographic in this movie, it, it I, I don't think he did well by them. And it sucks because it's like, it's like being given hand to be like, it's a start though. Right. And it's like, well, no, fuck you. Like it, what do you mean? It's a start. It's the same shit that you're giving to me. At least we're acknowledging it. Right. But it's like, well, it, 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 that doesn't, what does that do for it? 
for them. Like, I, I don't think it does anything for them. You know? uh, I mean, I get it, but like, what do you want them to get out of it? Like, I, I guess that's a better question. Like, what should they have gotten out of this movie? I think it would be like, there, there should be like, I'm not trying to ask you to rewrite history here, but like for your complaints, have you thought of what you would have preferred to see or how it is handled? Like, well, I just think like, for example, the perspective of it's made through Molly and you actually give me the names of all of these native Americans that, played an integral part and got screwed over i would probably care more than know ernest's name or no robert de niro's character's name i don't know any of the native americans name and it's not like they made that a, a, like sure i know molly's sister's names and it's but like but exactly but like but what about every other person lived there and every other person that got screwed over and all this hierarchy that we were shown there's no there's no me showing me more of that there's no i don't feel like enough respect towards that culture or like it's not like i ended walking out be like dang that's cool that the osage do that like it just felt like okay so yes native americans do that but i know that they are very unique yes i like i ended up learning yeah because they they cracked into oil they were very rich but besides that do i know any of their practices that they did no, I don't. Everything else that they did was very general Native American, quote unquote, Indian, as they say here, like practices. And I don't end up feeling like I walked out being like, oh, these people have been shown how they were betrayed. They were taking advantage of it. It did end up just feeling like they knew what was going to happen and they, they just completely went with it and they were surprised by it. And there was some white guilt here and that's it. And it's kind of like, well, why is there any of the white guilt there at all? Because I, I don't think they had any guilt at all in them. And like you said, like the Osage are saying, be like, oh, you, you got to show like the love that they have between them. But I don't think the movie shows that either. So that's why I was like, well, if you're trying to convince me that they were in love because of the situation that they're in, this movie doesn't do that. And like the, the book apparently very well portrays that she did feel very like, betrayed and never did think it was him that was behind all of this and this the movie doesn't show that so i'm like the book at least understands to show me that molly's pain comes through like all of these people's deaths just come through her people because they have money but the movie it's like you said it's just focused on her sisters and it ends up feeling like the pain that this is happening is because her sisters are dying but it's like no a lot of that is ungrievable to most people because it's like no your culture is dying they're they're wiping it out you're you're exterminated and I didn't feel like those extremes were really properly and like uh, addressed, honestly. Yeah, I mean, like I said, all of your complaints are valid. I don't, not gonna sit here and argue with you about them. I just don't have the same ones you do, um, or not to the extent that you do. Obviously, um, we should probably wrap it up pretty soon because the episode is getting extremely long. We don't want the episode to be as long as the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if you can't tell, uh, I guess our mileage does vary on how much we like this movie, but that a movie like this comes along very, or not very often to the point where it could even warrant this much discourse and this much talking about it. Most movies are not even worth talking about for this long, let alone even having deep conversations about, to be honest. And like, we try to uh, talk about the ones that we do feel, you know, do that. And I think that this movie, even though you may like Oppenheimer more, I do feel like the discussions that will happen around this movie are going to be like a longer lasting impact on like how 
like what the future of cinema has in store for it. You know what I mean? It's like, does anything change? Maybe it does. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I don't have such a negative view going forward of like what happens after this movie. Cause it doesn't seem like you have a very positive outlook for the post flower moon world of movies. Well, right? I, I mean, I just think nothing's going to happen. I don't think that's positive or negative. I just think it's not going to change anything. Which is like a movie that's worth two hundred. I mean, don't something. you think it's negative when things don't change that are not good? <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I don't think the like you said. I don't think his intention was to change anything. It's okay, but I'm not saying his intention was like I will personally change things. But if things change, you know, Hollywood. Like this is the thing. Is like I know you're like, oh, it's exploitative or whatever. It's like Hollywood is exploitative. You're never gonna get around that. So if this movie is popular and does make enough money and does have enough awards buzz, you will start to see more movies about maybe not the exact same thing, but similar subject matter because it's going to be like, oh, well, we want to make our Oppenheimer or we want to make our Killers of the Flower Moon or anything like that, right? And yeah, usually people do learn the wrong lessons, but I am optimistic that there will be some good that comes out of a movie like this. Because I, I like, I, for example, think about like the movie Wind River great movie phenomenal movie about native americans getting fucked over you know i don't think anybody really remembers that honestly movie. wind river is what the <laughs> wind river is kind of what this movie would would have been in its original iteration of like the story of this white man going to indian country to solve a crime like that was wind river so yeah that, that movie wind does river. exist yeah exactly that's what i mean it's like um Movies like this have existed, and there is no change of discourse. It's not like all of a sudden Marlon Brando put a Native American up there to a take, and they laughed him out. Because There's I mean, no Wind River. As much as I like that movie for the quality of it and the tension of it, you want to talk about sensitivity? If you like the Native American girl is just there to get raped and killed, that's it. Be like, and then like she's not even a character. She's there for five minutes, you know. And it's like Jeremy Renner is the hero, and Elizabeth Olsen is the hero of that movie. It just takes place on Native American land, you know. Yeah, but again, happened more than likely, but not specifically that situation. So it's not like you're like, damn, I can't believe they showed my aunt getting just, that's it. That's all she was. This is, it's it's just a story that was drawn up to prove a point, which was that <laughs> for that movie, at least it was like, it does have to, I don't specifically remember what the tie-in was with Native Americans. It was happening in a reservoir. I remember that, but I don't even think the, the reservation that I don't even think it was, the point was that, um like, it, this is still effects of them getting fucked over i think that no, just was, that was more just like hey that's a, this is happening this in a is reservation interesting backdrop yeah <laughs> so it's like um again be like not based on any specific national tragedy or erased history it's just a story that was come up with yeah it's like, it's, it's like you know those are the that, that's what i'm saying like this movie has that difference where this is like you're making a movie about the trail of tears like you Okay, so why do you want to address this? You know, because it's like there is various and various accounts of how terrible this was. So, what is this movie going to change? Or like, that's the people that's you know that's the problem with the people have with Twelve Years a Slave, right? Like, what? It, well, what was the most point? of these slave movies? Yeah, it's like always like, oh, you know, maybe the guy who owned him wasn't so bad after all, and actually he taught him how to read. I'm like, okay, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. So obviously those are extremely like you know. Yeah, or you know, it was actually good when the white guy drove the black guy around in the you know in the time when black people weren't allowed to go to certain places. Like, yeah. yeah, great, lovely. Uh, which is funny because it's like I don't think that this movie falls in line with movies like that. I think it's its own beast, to be honest. I can't think of another movie like this really. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I'd have to think about it for a bit. I mean, it's certain, you know, characters It's that are y- y- completely evil and they were historically accurate and you do end up, yeah, I guess like I, I did end up thinking of Neutrum, right? It's like, you know what this person ends up doing. So it's not like you end up feeling the whole time of the movie like the movie is telling you, but, you know, he's a, he's a complicated character. It, so, again, based off of an event that happened, I feel like the movie very easily addressed. This motherfucker is crazy. Um, and I want you guys to understand that this is an extreme of evil and this was very, very detrimental. At the end of the movie, <laughs> guns were outlawed because of this very terrible mo- thing. But it's like here, obviously, because that is his stagnant point. Is he saying this was never even brought up again? When she died, the people he even wrote her obituary, she was just another Native American that died. And isn't that even more tragic that no change happened because of this? Yes, it is. And like, so what change is going to happen now? None. Just Apple's going to make money off of this story. Like, isn't that the same thing as the horror? I mean, as the the the, the true crime podcast. Yeah, so, I mean, do you think, though, that it's, like, if nothing is going to happen, then what was the point of making it? Because the book exists. Like, it is because it's, like, well, this sort, this story exists already. So why did you make this movie? Because, like, for example, if you want to compare it to other people who drop books that aren't exactly, exactly like, things that happen, Stanley Kubrick took The Shining because he's, like, I see this in it, and he changed this in it, and this is why I'm making The Shining how I want to make it because I'm. this is my message about this theme. So go, okay, that makes complete sense to me. He, as somebody who always wrote from books, he changed it because this is how I see my theme that I think this this book is hitting home. This is how I think it should be better addressed. Again, it comes from fantasy. So this is why Stanley Kubrick made this movie. This is why, you know, John Carpenter made Carrie because this is how he read. But, like, but this is based off of something that happened, something that's already accounted for. So it does end up becoming like, why did you think putting this in earnest perspective has a story that needed to be told. And I don't think there's I just any- think it's because he didn't want to make the same crime procedural that, you know, exists in the world. Like that's a common movie. And it's like he changed the story, but it's still a real thing that happened. It's not like he's he's just changing the perspective of the story from like, well, I don't think it's that interesting or would be that interesting if it was just told through the eyes of the FBI. Like it'd probably be a less an even more insensitive movie than it already is because they would only the driving plot would be like well we're only here because they gave us twenty thousand dollars, you know be like so that's not better or worse you know like it's they're two totally different views on the same story and you know and it's like sure that writer decided it was cool to do like a fbi story because i mean like when you look at the when you look at the book the cover it's like killers of the flower moon it's like the osage murders and the birth of the fbi you know and it's like that's even that book is like yes it, it well it could probably do some things better it's still more interested in the birth of the fbi than it is the actual osage you know what i mean yeah but i i will say that Martin Scorsese says he thought the book was good enough portraying what he thought he should put on film enough. So obviously I don't think he feels that this, the book is exploitative anyway, because he decided to make the movie based off the book. Like I could feel that way that the book is exploitative at least, but he didn't. He is like, I'm going to, like you said, like they told him like, this is something we want to do. He read the book and was like, oh, this is what he took from it. And he took that Ernest's character was the most like, this is the most interesting perspective I could pick to make this story from. And it's like, well, 
I, I guess like if you, if you could choose to rewrite and pick that's who you pick to do it from and obviously it's it's his he makes the movies with those type of characters he still put elements of you know mobster movies in this there's scenes here with no arms or like with no hands just sitting there he's gonna make the movie that he's well like most known for making I get that but it's also like okay well that creative decision of yours I think is very insensitive to the who the main character of this movie should be because at least in the FBI files, like I said in the book, it's like at least you understand that she is taken aback by like, oh, fuck, it was him the whole time. But here it's just like it ended up feeling like she just rode with it because she knew from the get go that he was a coyote and she just rode with it. And this 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 happened. Like, OK, but what is there? What happened in real life wasn't justice. So what is in, in this story since you decided to change the perspective of it? Why did you make it earnestness? Is it to show? Again? I think the fact that there's no justice, and then like the ending really cements that home. Then it's like no justice. King Hill went to prison for two years, then died on his ranch of cancer. Ernest Burkhart returned to the land and just died there in 1986. Probably broke as fuck, whatever. Like, and Molly died of uh, at 50 years old, like most Osage people did at that time. And it's like there is no justice here. So I don't know what you want me. What, what do you want me to give you? Like. No, nothing. And it's like, and yeah, it's like, I don't know. Like, I didn't feel like the the quietness of her performance when she, the betrayal is revealed, I thought said a lot. Like, I didn't think it needed to be, I don't know, maybe played up more or harped on more or anything like that. Like, we can't tell me she's surprised based off of the movie when the movie is telling you from the beginning she's calling him a coyote. So you can't tell me that that ending scene of her being quiet comes off to you as being surprised when she's telling you 20 minutes into the movie that she knows he's trying to take his money well i don't think she's that surprised like i, I mean i think she is but also like i don't think the movie's like oh my god you know and it's like but through the accounts of what happened in real life she really was surprised that's my point i was like so if in real life she was very i understand back. that but just because someone is really surprised like you don't know how they actually expressed that. You know what I mean? It's like the book could make it seem like she's hooting and hollering. And Martin Scorsese decided to take a more quiet angle to her betrayal. You know what I mean? And it's like that's a you can pick your preference for what you like. Right. But it's like who would actually know exactly how she reacted. Right. Well, I don't have issues with the expressionism. I'm just saying the story never led me to believe that she would have any reason to not see this coming. Her being quiet, I'm not saying that that's not surprising. Like that's not that's not the point that I'm getting at. I'm saying that this the way that this was written for two and a half hours, three hours, she knew twenty minutes in that the, that he was gonna that she was someone that he was someone she shouldn't trust. And then at the end of the movie, that's just what happens. What she I, thought I mean, was going to happen. We talked about this earlier in the episode, though. Was that? Yes, yeah, she knew it was a coyote, but that. Well, I thought we had kind of, I don't know, maybe you didn't feel this way, but like I thought we had established it's like, yeah, she loved him and she knew he wanted the money, but she didn't know exactly how evil, how deeply this goes, you know? And it's like, that is the flaw in her character or like as a person, I guess. If It feels weird to say because you're talking about a real person who actually married somebody and to tell him like, you're not saying it this way, but it's like the, in the harshest terms, it's like, you're an idiot. You don't see this coming. And it's like judging someone for a real choice that they actually made. It's like he, Martin Scorsese, whether he picked that angle or not, he didn't write that choice of her being like, why would you marry someone you don't trust? He wrote how they this was revealed, though. That's that's the, that's what I'm getting at. It's like not the point that you're getting at. I'm getting that he wrote he wrote this character. And in the book is based off of literally how she found out. 
So she was more surprised to find out that the way that she she was being poisoned. So does she by not it. find out in court the way that the movie says it? I from what from what I understand, no. The way that the movie ends, like that's not how she found out. Like so, it was later through the investigation that the FBI made, but it's not that way. And it's like, well, it seems like it would be the most integral thing to show when the person who's been done over the worst is how she finds out. And I don't think that it's like in in this, it just ends up feeling like she reaffirms that, oh, I was right the whole time. But in real life, because you're, what you're saying, she just wasn't a character in real life. She was very surprised to find out it was him. And I'm not saying that be like, why did you marry? I'm pretty sure she didn't know he was this evil from the get go. Yes, she knew he was white. Yes, his her mom would tell her, be like, oh, he's going to take your money. But I don't think for the get-go that he was this fucking stupid and brazen about it. And in the movie, since it's so obvious from the get-go, I'm like, why is it written this way? When I know he rewrote it. So that that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at is that he rewrote this a certain way. And I think it literally takes away the biggest thing, which is her surprise at the end of how it, this the he was a piece of shit to her. Because that's the, it was surprising to her, which is that's where the tragedy is. But like in this whole movie, she knows twenty minutes in, and I'm like, and then at the end, I'm supposed to believe in her quietness that she was like, "Damn, I was right." But it's like, well, that seems like she was very complacent with her pain. Like, no, she was very surprised by this. She did not expect that her husband of years was the one betraying her, and so then that that to me has been like because I'm like that also reflects on like the Osage, yeah, like you know his uncle was disguised this whole time. Like we respect you very much. They were heavily betrayed and did not think he was the one behind all of it that reflects in each other very well. But I don't think the movie really, that was completely lost in the, how to change the perspective. And that's why I think that's what I'm saying. Like that is my biggest complaint of the movie is that his change in perspective completely took that part of the book, which I think is the most important thing in this very sensitive topic. I see, I see. All right, well, I think we should probably end it because this conversation kind of seems like it will probably never end about uh, our differing views on this movie. So, obviously, I think if you're listening this far, how have you... You, you could have went and saw the movie already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you definitely watch that. Check it out on Apple TV or in the theaters if you get a chance. Definitely IMAX if you can't see it on the biggest screen possible. It demands it. Um for the three hour and a half runtime, don't be a baby. Uh, maybe don't drink a giant soda in the middle of this movie. You know, I don't know. I, I, I didn't do that as someone who drinks a ton of, uh, beverages during a movie, you know, like I kind of paced myself or if you always want to go the James Cameron route, the ultimate chat answer, get up and go pee. It's fine. You'll see that scene the next time you watch my movie, which is pretty baller answer. Right. It's like, I know you're going to see this twice. So just go pee. <laughs> True. I love that. I really do love that. Cause I think that's the best uh, argument I've heard about discourse, right? It's like, just go fucking pee and you'll watch it again. I know you will. <laughs> True. Oh, what a good answer. Um, so the latest and greatest by Martin Scorsese, go check it out. He is a patron saint of the arts and he must be protected at all costs. Um, and I wonder how much you'll hate his next movie because his next movie is based on uh, another novel by David Grand, but I don't think it is a, uh, as for the historical fiction, nonfiction, I'm not sure, but Leonardo DiCaprio and it's going to be set on the open seas. So I guess we'll see next time. Uh, God, hopefully in the next two years or something, right? Let's get that right away. <laughs> the train keeps on rolling. Uh, next week, next episode, Alvaro, I ask you here, Possession 
or back to the Wes Anderthon? <laughs> it's this is post Halloween already, right? Uh no. This will be out before Halloween. So there is time to there is time. I mean, there's also a ton of other movies coming out. I don't know if I can make the decision on here. All right, all right. Well, possibly one more spooky season surprise for you guys. Uh, I, I made a playlist on the YouTube channel, by the way, if you want to check out the spooky season scary episodes. Uh, there's a, there's 33 horror episodes, so there's plenty to dig through there. <laughs> check it out. It's called the uh, Halloween playlist, I believe. Something like that. Over 33 hours. Yeah, over 33 hours. Yeah, exactly. Uh, check that out, and we will back, we'll be, be back next week. And I can almost guarantee it won't be as good as this movie. <laughs> Whatever it is. Whatever it is. True. So, thank you as always. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.